0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number sixteen. Today's very special episode of Upgrade, the first ever Upgradees Awards, is brought to you by Lynda, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts for a ten-day free trial. Visit lynda.com/slash/upgrade. Squarespace, Start Here, Go Anywhere, and MailRoute, a secure, hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam. My name is Mike Curley, and I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by my co-judge for the first ever Upgraders <laughs> Awards, Mr. Jason Snell.
1: Hello, Mike. It's good to be here. Do you have your tuxedo on?
0: I'm sure I sure do. Listen to this. This is me tightening my bow tie. There you go. You can hear that, Come right? On. That comes through in the <laughs> audio. Totally clear. Loud and clear. Bow tightening. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do have a very special up episode today. We spoke about this a little bit, and we're going to be doing our first ever of what I hope will be the annual Upgradees Awards, where we have a selection of categories that have been uh, thought up by myself and Jason, and also suggested by some of our uh, as-of-yet unnamed listener group, mm-hmm. um, which we're going to get to shortly. But of course, we do have uh, a smidge of follow up um, and, and some uh, hashtag ask upgrade. That's catching on like wildfire now. You know, I, I yeah, see the, the Mac Power Users uh, team are, are using the recipe that we have.
1: Yeah, the I had lunch with David Sparks. Little little Glenning, little name dropping. I had lunch with David Sparks. last last. <laughs> Last week when I was uh, here in L.A. where I'm back now on my way back home, and uh, we were talking about that, and I, I told him about that If This Then That script, and he was like, oh, we should do that. I said, yeah, you should totally do it. Just uh, go ahead. So, yeah, it's catching on. The hashtag uh, podcast hashtag thing. And it's working for us, too, so that's great. Oh, follow-up, Mike. we got we got to make a decision about what we're going to call our listeners.
0: Yes, so... I. I think I, I mentioned this last week but, but now now it's happening. Today we are going to come to a decision. This yes. is an episode all about decisions. Yes. Um and we've had lots of uh lots and lots of suggestions. And I think we kind of have this down to four four options now. <laughs> yes. Uh upgraders. Yes. Upgradians. Simple.
1: Upgradians. We
0: have listeners.
1: Listeners, we refer to our listeners as listeners. I think it's very common, um, and you know, in listener Mike and listener Jason and various other listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that needs to be considered. And then somebody wrote in and suggested the, something reg- regarding Ahoy telephones. Yeah, I guess
0: you yeah, know, there's there's something there. Uh, you know, maybe shipmates or something. Or, hmm. uh, but I mean, me personally, I I yep. would I would like either upgraders or upgradians. Yes, um, I know you would. What do you What do you I, think, Jason?
1: I I have to say, I uh, part of me wants to just say they are listeners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there are listeners. There are listeners. There are listeners to the show, and that's simple. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve that uh, as a, uh, a a more understandable honorific for all listeners, and and to address them as listener so and so. I think that's I think that's something I want to keep as long as I can keep that. I am okay with uh, either upgraders or upgradians. Um, what I like about Upgradians, although it is a super nerdy word, and maybe that's one of the reasons I like it. I also like that it doesn't have any existing meaning. And that was what, uh, I think that listener Diane wrote in about, uh, that, that, uh, Upgrader is already a thing. So Upgradians is a little extra. So I'm okay with Upgradians being the official, like, Trekkie name for the show, <laughs> and then listener being a, a, an honorific that we can also bestow on, on all listeners, because there are listeners and Upgradians.
0: That settles it, Jason. All right, done. Upgradian. I like I hope the rest of the show
1: goes that easily. I know. <laughs> I, I doubt
0: won't. it. Uh, I like Upgradian. Uh, I like what gradients. You know, I, I like that. I think that works quite nicely. I, I, hadn't thought of. You know, really put too much thought into the idea that it is unique to the show, which is quite nice. Mm. Um, I do like. Obviously, listener is fun, and I like saying like listener Bob. I, I think that's quite yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, we need something special. For this yes. show, Jason, you know, so for we, we will still refer to legions. listener Bob,
1: but listener Bob is an Upgradian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will until they renounce be... renounce their Upgradianship, if they wish, and then uh, we'll probably read those on hashtag Ask Upgrade and be sad, but because
0: um, that will th- never happen. I think even more, you know, the the the, the people in the chat room are, are definitely the Upgradians. You know, they are right there; they're, they're involved; they're they're contributing. Um, but we we do also, of course, have the remote upgradians um, who send us email and, and tweets by the hashtag. Which Indeed, is nice. The super, the super
1: crazy fans are listening
0: live, but not everybody can
1: listen live when we record the show, and that's fine. There there is no there are no classes of up- upgradian. See, I'm working on it. Yeah, uh, there are no classes of upgradian. You're all upgradians. Some of them are in the chat room and listening to the live stream, and some of them aren't, and that's fine. We love them all equally.
0: Yes, we, you can you can be a crazy person and a crazy fan from far away. And if you
1: uh, would like to be uh, one of our official enemies, first off, you'd need to get us an enemy uh, sponsor. And then you can be, as Wayne Dixon suggested in the chat room just now, a downgradian. Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's so, so many there layers go. here. It's, I know. This it's is getting deep. Yes. We're getting deep. All
1: right. Um, you put in another piece of follow-up, which is something I, I think uh, we talked about and I wrote about on Six Colors, which is that the wire, um, The Wire was released... The great HBO drama series was released in its HD widescreen version over uh, over the weekend.
0: So this is something I don't remember if we actually spoke about this on the show. But I know that I first heard about this from Six Colors. Like when right. you originally posted it. Um I I think was it in December it feels like long yeah it ago was it now. was early
1: december it was it was only about it was it were earlier this month when when David Simon wrote about it, and I was surprised that it went from uh him writing about it to it
0: being live in the same month. that was kind of amazing, but I know that at the time when it was being discussed and when we first heard about it, everybody was kind of concerned that it would be just like what's known as like pan and scan. So effectively taking the original four by three, because all all we believed we had was a four by three uh, version of the wire. Um, So they would basically chop off the top and bottom and zoom in on stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's not even pan
1: and scan at that point. It's just a it's just a a zoom. Yeah. But it turns it turns out they they did shoot it in thirty five millimeter film, which means they shot it in sixteen by the film is sixteen by nine. The way they shot it, they the the sixteen by nine is on the film. That's the way that they crop the 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 shot. That's the way the cameras are made. And then they would just put tape markers on the sides to box it in four by three. And at the very beginning it sounds like they shot it sort of to cheat on sixteen by nine in case it ended up being in sixteen by nine. And by the end of the first year, I think they just decided HBO was never going to um, fund them to do sixteen by nine HD, and they were going to embrace standard what they were already broadcasting in, which was standard death, four by three aspect ratio, standard TV aspect ratio. And so I believe they, although they shot the rest of the series on film and with uh, the ability to capture the sixteen by nine image, at that point on, they were you know they didn't even tre- you know worry about a little about what was in the sides of the. Film frame. It was as if those frames uh were not the 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 sixteen by nine widescreen areas were not there. Um and uh that became a problem when somebody said we would like, you know the the and if we didn't talk about it, I definitely talked about it on, on some podcast. I I'm on a lot of podcasts. Um about the idea that that black and white TV, you know, used to be uh, they started colorizing TV shows because they couldn't sell black and white TV anymore. And I feel like 4x3 standard FTV is becoming unsellable in today's TV market. People have widescreen TVs and HD TVs and they want to see things in that format. And so HBO is thinking, we've got 100 episodes of The Wire and we don't, you know, for them to continue having value, we need to upgrade them huh? Uh, to uh, HD and widescreen. And um, the problem is, like you said, the problem is. Um, they're not the same shape. And if you just put the box, a so 16 by 9 box in the middle of the old 4 by 3 picture, you're cutting off the top and the bottom. And if you use the whole frame of film, you're going to have like lights and people and uh, weird stuff on the sides of the screen because they weren't, they didn't care about what was on the sides of the screen, which is actually what's happening apparently on. Uh, some cable channel is running reruns of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in HD widescreen and uh, they're like there's a, a Tumblr that collects these these things there's like stagehands in the shots it's, it's crazy like nobody had any, any quality control on that release but apparently David Simon was shown the creator of The Wire was shown what HBO was working on and said well actually uh, we have some problems with this which is really interesting that they did go to him and they delayed this release for like four or five months um, because of that.
0: Yeah, so he, uh, David Simon was involved um, in this, and, yeah. and they basically like digitally edited out and painted what they call digitally painted over some of the. Basically, crew just standing. Yeah. yeah. So, the edges. so what they
1: did, I mean, they hired they hired somebody who was one of the one of the producers or cinematographers on the show uh, to go through it. They basically said, "Okay, we're going to pay you to you've got some free time right now. We're going to pay you to go through the HD transfer for us and 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 come to us with the things where we you feel like we need to make creative decisions and and because uh, we can't look at everything ourselves. You know, a busy TV producer making a new show, whatever." And so it was a combination. There are, there are shots that they, they, that they cropped differently, whether they went back to the wide or they went in close. Um, sort of like shot by shot, there were shots that they changed uh, to get the effect they were looking for, which is great. That's, you know, that, that it wasn't just just put a frame in and roll the episode. They, they would go shot by shot. And then there were certain cases where they wanted to go wide and there was stuff that they had to paint out. And so they did, which I think is great that they went to that that trouble. Which obviously Fox didn't do with the whatever Buffy episodes are running on that cable channel. And you know, hopefully, if they ever do a Blu-ray release or a streaming HD release of of those Buffy episodes, they either take them back to four by three, or they put in some effort to. Fix them up. I mean, Joss Whedon, uh, the creator of Buffy, has said, and Buffy is my favorite TV show of all time. I'd love to see it in HD because I know they shot it on film. But he said, "Look, other than the one episode we shot in sixteen by nine, we shot the show in four by three. That's what it was meant to be. It was always in four by three. Other shows they did, Angel, the spinoff, was shot in sixteen by nine. It can come out in sixteen by nine, but they didn't shoot the show in sixteen by nine. They they shot it in four by three. So um, that's it's an interesting thing. This idea of the intent." intention of the creators and what Simon pointed out in actually a really great thread on his post about this is people are making a big deal about sixteen by nine and four by three about aspect ratios. But uh going from S D to HD is actually a creative change too. They mastered the show for S D and the the way he put it, although I think he used lots of um I think he dropped the F bomb several times, but the way he put it is we got away with a lot of stuff. Um because it was in SD. We would actually look at the monitors and say, can you see that car in the background that is totally from the wrong time? Or can you see that sign that proves that we're in a completely different location than when we're claiming to be? Well, in SD, you couldn't. But in HD, you can. And so that's an issue, too, is you know, the the show wasn't intended to be seen at this level of detail and a lot of uh, problems emerge, and that they had to deal with that, too. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Just to, from, from this perspective of the creator trying um trying to do something with a show that is not what it was originally intended, and I, I like Simon's attitude. He's a notoriously cranky guy, and I, I love his work. I think his books are great. Actually, if go read go read The Corner, um, go read Homicide, A Year on the Killing Street, a fantastic book. And then The Wire is, I think, one of the best dramas ever. Uh, he can be a really cranky guy, and yet his attitude toward this is really good. It's like, look, HBO owns it. They let us have some creative input in it. We're creating an alternate version of the work. If you want to see the original intent. That's the 4x3 SD version of the show. That is what we made when we made it. And that and some of the stuff that's in the HD is better, and some of it is worse, but it's different, and it's not the original intent of the artist. But we also recognize that uh, if we only had that version, nobody would see it. <laughs> right? Nobody would watch it, because nobody would want to stream it. It's already a problem. Nobody wants to see a 4x3 SD Show so he, he sort of I, I I feel like you could watch the HD version of The Wire and not feel like the creators are, are are over your shoulder going, no 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 this isn't right that they had some creative input to make it okay, uh, but it's fascinating to think about that that technology is driving artists to hopefully make changes and other in, in other cases just companies to wholesale make changes to the work and uh, and uh, the product can suffer greatly because of it.
0: So I haven't seen any of the the Wire in HD but I would like to. Cuz that that was yeah. I mean I I actually watched The Wire for the first time this year. Um I think I, we talked about that at least yeah, briefly. Yeah, I've watched all of it but the last season cuz I kind of didn't Last enjoy season is not very good.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's good TV. It's not good for the wire, I guess. And, and I, I, he's grinding a lot of his axes about journalism since he worked at the Baltimore Sun, he gets really angry about journalism and And that's where you have your most kind of like obviously evil and obviously, um, you know, angelic characters is in that fifth season where, you know, he kind of, the whole point is that nobody's good or bad. And in the fifth season, he's like, no, no, that editor is really bad. And this reporter is really good. (laughs) like, come on, David Simon. But uh, it's totally worth watching. It is not an upper. it is a downer, but it is about it's a show about the systemic failure of governments in cities. I mean, it's not a real happy topic, but it is brilliant and funny um, and uh, and and tough to watch, but it's great.
0: So we have a couple of just a a couple of uh, ask upgrades today so uh we have at gen 215 uh what are your hobbies interests or passions that are currently among the topics uh are not among the topics that you explore in your podcast so what do we're, we love we're, we're gentlemen we... with many podcasts exactly and uh and i think for both of us they span across many different Indeed. Uh, genres uh but for me i think some of the things that i enjoy that i don't uh record about i love building lego sets um it's something i don't do an awful lot of because it's expensive um but maybe once a year i'll have a good lego set that i like to build uh i like music um but i don't make podcasts about music and i enjoy food and eating out and and stuff like that so it's a a passion of mine and uh, i don't i don't make any shows about that either
1: right not yet not yet um i took out a lot of my uh uh, uh, by making The Incomparable as broad as it is, I mean, that's literally like all of my pop culture interests. Yeah, And so, you know, in, in a different world, I would I would have done a show about movies or a show about TV and say, well, you know, I read comics or I read books. and But I, I just poured those all into The Incomparable. So all of that kind of cultural consumption just kind of goes out the window because I, I've got the shows at The Incomparable that, that cover it. Uh, so this was a really interesting question. And I, I appreciate the listener at Gen 215 <laughs> uh for uh for does he have a name did we look up he or she have a name I'm, i don't know i'm sure they do i'm gonna look it up just in case because that's one problem with that is it doesn't grab the ask upgrade does not grab the given name thomas listener thomas is who gen 215 is upgrade Upgrade-ian. Upgrading, well, yeah, and a, and a good friend. Um, <laughs> anyway, I appreciate this question. I, I would say, well, first off, I'm a parent of a 10 year old and a 13 year old. And uh, although friends of mine have a parenting podcast, turning this car around, which you can listen to, which is John Moltz and Lex Friedman and John Armstrong, who is not a friend, he's not an enemy. I don't know him, uh, but uh, they do a po- they do a podcast. And I um, don't like
0: that guy. <laughs> I, I uh, actually,
1: you know, on the podcast, he seems perfectly fine. Although he's he's although a uh, little confession, he's a he's a divorced dad and listening to histories about being a divorced dad just makes me sad. It just makes me sad. Um, my parents never, my parents, uh, were together until my dad died. So I, it was a, I was not a child of divorce and I've been married for 20 years. And, and I just think it's sad to think about, you know, that, that having to navigate those issues. And, uh, but anyway, it's a good podcast, turning this car around. You should check it out. I don't do a podcast about parenting. I'm not sure I want to, because I certainly don't have all the answers. All I have is a lot of questions. Um, and uh, I think the danger in those podcasts, which I don't think those guys uh, have, but the danger in talking about parenting at all is you get in a very—it's very easy to get in a. Here's what I do; you should do it too, which is almost always not true because that's just not how it works. Uh, every kid is different; every situation is different. And then the other thing is, you will get people whenever you talk about parenting who will tell you you're doing it wrong because every there are there is a whole class of people who think they know how to take care of kids and you and. and really improve their self-esteem by telling you that you don't and uh, I wrote a column for Macworld once about how on a long car trip like the one my family and I are going to take tomorrow um, I gave my kids I think back then it was like a video iPod and they could watch a movie in the car and I had people saying you're a terrible parent because you should be playing the license plate game and uh, having long meaningful conversations with your five year old about something uh, crayons maybe and uh, those people are awful so uh, parenting, I will put on the list, and I think I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, but there it is. I'd say writing. Uh, I am a writer, and although I write about technology, and in my spare time, I sometimes write, about, uh, write fiction and things like that. And I'm on the board of National Novel Writing Month, and I, I think writing and editing in general is really important in, uh, in my life. I don't talk about it a lot um, in, uh, in specific. And Dan Warren and I actually have been talking for a little bit, a little while about some time getting around to doing a podcast that's about writing. And I think that would be a lot of fun and having guests on and talking about different aspects of being a writer, fiction and non. Um, and I think that would be a lot of fun, but right now it's not on the list. And then the last one I put in here is beer. I like beer. I have only been drinking beer since I was about 28 or 29. I was not a beer drinker in the most, uh, uh, let's see, the traditional beer drinking years of college age and the like. Um, but uh, I discovered beer in my late 20s, and I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, and I enjoy trying different beers and learning about different kinds of beer and different styles, and uh, it's a lot
0: of fun. And I don't do a podcast
1: about that either, but I do enjoy it.
0: So that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I like coffee, but I'm not... Um... I'm not as crazy about coffee as many people are. Like <laughs> horror, horror I drink oh, coffee with milk in it. Um and I know oh, Well I I know, like I, I like
1: tea. Is. Uh, which is funny. The American uh, has is the tea drinker, and the English guy is the is the coffee drinker. <laughs> I don't drink coffee at all, so I don't understand that. I do drink tea. I, I just don't. I mean, I have some opinions about it. Dan Morin wrote a piece in the magazine a couple years ago, right at the beginning, about making tea, and you know, I have some opinions about uh, how I like to make at least my tea. But I just don't have a lot to say about it other than I like black tea. Uh, I have a few different kinds. I like making you know loose tea in a pot when I can and you know when i'm traveling like this i have uh, you know tea out of those uh, little tea bags for a couple of weeks and i miss my teapot but I, I, is that a podcast there you go this Maybe. is our our ver- this can be our vertical mike we can do like a lego vertical and a beer vertical and a and a tea vertical and a coffee ver- vertical that's where those things can go the upgrade is the place for them in in the verticals at the front of the show
0: so like for what the incomparable is for your pop culture stuff upgrade is for literally everything else <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's uh it's a uh, uh, just a, a place we can just dump every I mean, uh, treat with serious care, the things we, we don't have any other place to talk about. Maybe, uh, maybe so. I mean, this podcast, unlike my other podcasts, is more about sort of like us talking about stuff. And uh, somebody said to me when we were talking about what is this podcast about working at home or is it about technology? I think the answer is it is a, it, it is the one place that I have where I can just talk about stuff that interests me. And although technology is going to be a primary focus... It, I do feel like in some ways this is the place where I can go off topic with you and talk about stuff in my life and you can do the same. You've got some other places where you can do that, including analog, where you can really do that. But for me, this is sort of the place where I have more freedom to do that than on something like The Incomparable, I think.
0: Yeah, and I like that. I, I do like yeah. that. I like that a lot. I think it's fun. Um we have uh, Upgradian Bob uh, sent in a uh, <laughs>
1: listener. Bob, come on, listener Bob, I'm really it's going the prim- for it. I'm going Primal
0: for it. listener Bob and Upgradian. Okay. Uh, he suggested a. I've seen this product before as as a way to help us out when traveling uh, abroad. Which is the Plug Bug by Twelve South, and they make a product called the Plug Bug World. Um, so basically, the Plug Bug is a um, it's a MacBook power adapter. Uh, That also has a USB uh, port built right into it. Right. What you you do is you kind of plug it into your, um, you you sort of pop off the the socket, the plug socket from the power brick that you have. And then you can clip the plug bug on top, and it allows you to continue to charge your MacBook through the adapter that it needs. But also, adds a USB cable, so you can charge multiple devices at a time. Uh, is what I'm trying to say, basically. Mm. And it's it's a nice little thing, and it and the and it comes with a bunch of adapters, um, so you can you can take it with you wherever you want around the whole world and and charge it there. That's nice. It's nice. I have a I have Apple's um,
1: international adapter kit and uh and then i have a plug adapter and um that's served me well just e- even just having those two when i go to the uk or europe that that has served me pretty well just having a couple uh that i can plug in anything and then one that i can plug in any apple anything um
0: but that's good thank you upgrading bob listener bob um so i think that that's actually brought us to the end of our Goodbye, everybody. Vertical, and uh, we'll be back next time. So we're going to get into the real meat of the show now. So we've we've mentioned this a little bit, and so what we have now is is the upgradees. Now the upgradees is a. Basically, me and Jason. It's, it's decided, your idea. It, it, it's yeah. your idea. Uh, let's say, me and Jason let's decided clear. we wanted to do an end of the year uh-huh. show where we spoke about some things that we liked this year. So I decided <laughs> that we would turn yeah. this into an awards show uh, called the Upgradies. And this is, these are the Upgradies for 2014. I would like to do the Upgradies every year. Uh, maybe if I keep suggesting things like this, there won't be an upgrade next year. But who knows? Uh, so what I would like to do at the end of every year is to. For me and jason to award our f- our favorite items um with an upgradee, uh i am actually going to email the winners of all of the upgradees and give them <laughs> the artwork yes because uh, there's also
1: artwork for the upgradees that which, people haven't seen yet which is you you're a madman this is what i'm saying you you not only invented the upgradees, but then you created the logos for the upgradees.
0: Well, I I had our fantastic designer, Mr. Mr. Frank Towers at Forgotten Tao, at Tao on Twitter. Um, he's he's done a lot of incredible work for us, like all of the the sort of logo and artwork and stuff. And he took the upgrade logo and turned it into an award, which is is very beautiful. Um, it there is. Are mu- there are multiple versions. Uh, <laughs> it's not his fault, Mike. It's your fault. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, this was purely my doing. Uh, I made him do it um i've put it in the chat room and people will see it it's in the show notes which are uh, relay.fm upgrade slash 16 and depending on the podcast client that you use it will also actually show up in the little uh, description when you bring up the description you you may see the image as a few uh Mm. podcast clients that actually do show images that are embedded so you'll be able to see it and it's very beautiful um and you can enjoy it that way um i'm i'm very i'm very happy with with the artwork Uh, So I will be sending that artwork, Jason, uh, to people that probably don't want it.
1: Yeah, so check your spam filters, everybody, unless you're using
0: MailRoute, in which case it will protect you
1: from Mike's emails. (laughs) But we'll get to
0: that. (laughs) Everybody just blacklists me. Uh, (laughs) uh, So basically, this is the way it's going to go. We have a bunch of uh, categories. Some uh, were suggested by me and Jason. Some were suggested uh, by the Upgradians, and that will be listed... Where necessary. Um, what we're going to do is me and Jason have both picked our uh, personal choices, our, our favorite yeah, Nominees. Nominees. We'll there you go. We have two nominees. Uh, and in some cases, a little few more than that, depending on the, on the topic. Um, and then basically, you are about to hear the judging ceremony as well as the award ceremony. So myself and Jason will be probably in some cases uh, arguing uh, over which should be the winner of the upgrading. And if we cannot come to a consensus decision, we have the, all of the Upgradians in the chat room who are going to be there for us to provide the final judgment over who will win the upgrading in that category. I hope that that is clear for everybody. Jason, do you do you feel like you fully understand uh, the rules? Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I am very happy that you are indulging me uh, in this. Uh, I can tell I, how happy you are. You're cackling madly. I here. I love award ceremonies. Mm. I think I think that award ceremonies are fantastic. And if I ever get to do them, uh, trust in me that I will find a way <laughs> to do them. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't get
1: to be involved in the Eddie Awards anymore, so why not? Why not do this? Let's make it a thing. Sure. Why? not? I wish I'd put more time into it, but you know that's okay. It's Maybe fine. next time.
0: You know, you know the things that you like, and uh, so I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be absolutely fine. It's, it's right. going to. This is going to be great fun. So uh, the first category for today is the best iOS app of 2014. Mm. This. Award, though, is brought to you by our friends at lynda.com. You can kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design and business, as well as software training like in Excel, and Photoshop, PowerPoint and many, many more fantastic pieces of software All of lynda.com's courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every single week Whether you want to set new financial goals for the new year, find a better work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, or Improve upon your current job skills this year. Lynda.com has something for everything. You'll get unlimited access to every single course they have, hundreds of thousands of courses. Access to view tutorials on tablets and mobile devices with their apps for iOS and Android, and you'll get to see the new courses that they're adding every single week. Lynda.com have highlighted for us, for me to let you guys know about some things that they think that you'll enjoy, like iOS app development training and Swift essential training. But in the time that I've spent with Lynda.com, where I've dug around and taken a look through, you could also learn how to do things like project management skills so you can learn how to effectively use software products like Basecamp but also get to grips with how to work with virtual teams and effectively manage budgets or maybe you just want to learn a little bit about Excel. Unfortunately Excel is a software package that everybody needs to know um, and you can learn how to harness its power with lynda.com. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for a free 10 day trial to lynda.com by visiting lindacom slash upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D upgrade Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for supporting this show, all of Relay FM, and also for helping us out with the best iOS app of 2014. Now we, I have made uh, my my suggestion. Yes, my nominee is Overcast uh, uh-huh. by Marco Arment and Jason. Who is your Who is your, <laughs> who is your uh, nominee? My nominee is
1: Editorial, plan. which is, I believe, by Oli Zorn. Is that right? That is
0: correct. That is correct. All right. Good. What do I win? You win. Oh, no. It's uh, not a game
1: show. Wait a second.
0: You win the ability to tell me why you think that Editorial is the best app of the year. Well, Editorial. So I I don't write
1: uh, all the time on my Mac, on my iPad. Um, I, I mentioned as much on my episode of uh, Mac Power Users that I think came out last week. Um I, I spend most of my writing time at a, on a Mac keyboard, but I do sometimes write on an iPad um, when it's more convenient when I don't have an, a Mac around. And Editorial is just the, the it's the writing tool that stuck with me the most. It's got um, a markdown mode. It's got a web preview that's really nice. It's got a whole bunch of macros. Uh, even if you don't write Ruby code, <laughs> you can use their, uh, their uh, macro language to connect different uh, actions together and do lots of kind of cool stuff. And a customizable software keyboard, so it's very easy to enter in sort of uh, markdown code and things like that while I'm writing. I wrote, uh, I think my last piece, if not the last two pieces I wrote for the magazine, for example. I wrote in uh, editorial and I wrote a couple of my uh, last columns for Macworld as well in editorial. And it's a, um, you know, it, it is not my preferred writing environment. That is BB Edit on the Mac. But it is a, a really pleasant way to do uh, writing on iOS, and so although I'm never going to be probably uh, at the level of Federico Vitici with his uh, his commitment to iOS, I'm impressed by how powerful Editorial is. So,
0: um, so that's that's why. Why did you uh, go with Overcast, Mike? So, I think listening to podcasts is one of the key things that i do with my iphone i think if you were to sort of manage out like what what are the main things that i do with my iphone on a daily basis it's use twitter and use and listen to podcasts and and maybe play the occasional game check email but even when i'm doing a lot of these things podcasts are playing as well it's like it's Mm -hmm. it's a key thing for me in my life is is listening Uh, Two podcasts. And, you know, uh, there will be many people that have a greater statistic than me. But, for example, uh, Overcast has saved me 26 hours from speed adjustments. Um, You get that. You can get that in the little setting screen at the bottom. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that. And and people send me this every now and then. I've seen like 47 hours and things like that. And you guys are incredible, but but also uh, kind of crazy a little bit as well, which I like. Um, But I I must say that this app, I, I think what Marco has built is an app that not only is very good like overcast kind of is very good it's, it's missing some features but the thing is like some of the features that it's missing like streaming and stuff like that i've actually now kind of adjusted the way that i use apps like this because uh this because overcast is so good hmm. right so because this app is so good i've adjusted the way that i consume podcasts for it which and I don't think that there are many apps that I personally do that kind of thing for you know where I will adjust part of my workflow for that for something like that and also as well, it has some features now that are kind of indispensable for me like there are other really great uh, iOS apps for listening to podcasts that I really enjoy like Castro and Pocket Casts Mm -hmm. but now I'm so used to like the voice boost stuff and the smart speed stuff and it's such a killer feature for me that I don't want to look anywhere else for a podcast app. So for me, Overcast is the is, is definitely the winner. All right. So now, I, I think in, in potentially a, a cheating uh, fashion, I can see ahead in this document. Yes, I was about to mention this myself. So basically, which one of these awards would you like Overcast to win, Mike? Well, I just want Overcast to win an award because yeah. I think it is that good. So the the next the next But would you would you
1: prefer that editorial win an award or your choice in the next category win an award? Is what I'm saying.
0: Uh <laughs> I'm funny.
1: okay I'm actually okay with Overcast winning this category. Let me put it that way. And I agree with you about Overcast. In fact, one of the reasons I chose editorial is because I was trying to not have every category have us agree and I saw that you had picked Overcast. It has changed. It is my default. I have I own every podcast app too. And the fact that Marco did all the extra work on and everybody's like oh yeah you're friends with marco it's like well you know i send email to marco from time to time and we have chats about things and all of that but i i've never been to his house i've only <laughs> i've only met him a handful of times it's like no you know what i, I like marco but i don't use overcast because i like marco I, I and i like a lot of these other apps too what marco did that was really intelligent and put uh, raised the bar for podcast apps to spend all that time on that audio engine and and by doing smart speed and by doing voice boost um it puts that app above the rest, and yeah, it doesn't do streaming, and there are other things about it that I wish were better and that it had more features um you know and everybody out there wants chapter support mike <laughs> but anyway uh i I think there are things that obviously he can improve and that he and that he's working on, but uh all that effort that he put before he even announced the product into the the uh those special uh, audio features, like it's the first podcast app that I ha- I uh, can listen to at more than one X because the audio artifacts at uh, in in other podcast apps at yep. higher speeds yep. just drove me nuts. I couldn't listen; they sounded too awful, and it wasn't worth it. And now I can do a gently, you know, slightly more than one X on podcasts, and it sounds fine. Yep. Um, and that's that's huge. So uh, the, for that alone, uh, it is probably the iOS app, other than. Other than maybe a Twitter app and a web browser that I use the most, and uh, I I like it, so I think it's
0: perfectly fine for us to give that the upgrading. And also, you know, I know the statistics for our listenership, and Overcast is hugely dominant. So I know it's popular. You know, (laughs) you know, and, and I'm adding that into the you know Marco as a friend type scenario, you know, but it's like, yeah, lo- looking at those statistics, I know it's a popular app. Yeah. I personally, oh, yeah. I, I would like this to, to be the best iOS app of the year. So, so Marco, check your spam filter. Mike has sent you a <laughs> promise. <laughs> <laughs> so the next category is the best newcomer um, for iOS app. And you had put overcast in this category. Uh, and I have put workflow in here. Yeah. Now, One of the the things that I like about editorial um, is some of the incredible things that can happen with editorial and the way that it's pushed iOS forward, right? Uh, Because I know Federico Vattici very well Mm -hmm. and I see the insane things that he does with that app. Like, we were talking about this um, on the last episode of Connected about, like, what apps uh, would have to go to... Like, if, if an app switched to Android what app would it have to be to make you follow it, you know? So if, so basically Federico said that if editorial went Android only, he would have to switch to Android because so much of his revenue generation with his website is dependent on that app because he has so many things automated in it. So it's like if you think about that, like Federico Vitici, the iPad guy, <laughs> Right, This app is so important to him that he would have to seriously make that consideration. So you can see how powerful it is. But the thing is, I don't understand how to do a lot of the stuff that Federico knows how to do Yeah, in that app. Mm-hmm. But the app that I do understand how to do this kind of stuff in is Workflow. And it's a yeah. very new app. But I seriously, I cannot think of an app this year that is that has blown my mind like workflow does and and i i actually use it every day now which i hope that i would but these kind of things like you know there was a time where i really liked the idea of launch center pro and the things that i could do with, with callback urls but where i use that app every day i use it for basic things i use launch center pro as like a a launcher for my various google docs that i use because i can kind of set up url actions so i can go in there and select i want the upgrade doc or the connected doc or something like that and it just Opens them up because otherwise, you know, and then it flicks between the many, many apps that Google makes you use on iOS. Uh you have to use two applications to get to one document, but that's a discussion for another day. But, but I've never it never really <laughs> ingrained in me to use a lot of the powerful features of it. But workflow, I am I'm using it every single day. Like earlier today, I wanted to put some tweets into a document, and Federico had, um, had shown me, or at least created this this um, action. Uh, which allowed you to copy something, and then you could go and add another item to the clipboard. So you'd end up with like three. Say, like I copied three tweets in total by running this workflow. So it would just append the most recently copied thing to the previous copied thing. It's it's kind of weird to explain, <laughs> but then you end up with like multiple copied items on like a pretend clipboard. So it very, it's just little things like that, and it's super powerful. And, and I, I put, genuinely think that this, this app deserves recognition for, for it's just the, the incredible things you can do with it that you simply could not do before. I agree with you. I I, th- I wish that it was... Uh, I don't know.
1: I, I think the directory and the sample uh, workflows need to be better. I think it's still... Uh, a little yes, definitely you have you have that there's there's a bar that they get you over which is how to use the app and then there's this other bar which is how to do anything useful and that one is a lot harder and this is one of those cases where i feel like using automator or apple script or something like that on the mac where i've got a bunch of different windows open and i can be looking up like ways to help and suggestions that's one of those where ways where having one app open at a time in ios is it makes it really hard because if workflows open um and I'm trying to figure out how to do something in workflow. It's uh, it's harder to do that because I'm just in workflow. And then the other thing I've realized is with workflow is I um, I have a harder time debugging or getting an idea of what. Is the output in any particular step? So I feel like there needs to be some more debugging stuff put in there because sometimes I, I start to build a workflow and I'm like, well, what's there at this point in the workflow? And um, I don't know. <laughs> and and then it's like, well, you could drag in a thing that says display the text or something like that, but it's just it's it's all kind of hacky and I, I wish it was just a little bit. Um, it's it's brand new and they're gonna they're gonna do that sort of thing. But it's true. Even one of the basic baked in uh, workflows, which is just finding your current location and sending a text message to somebody. You specify saying how long it'll be before you get home. I immediately put that on my home screen. That's great to tell my wife. Uh, you know, I'm at this address. I'll be home in 24 minutes. And it's you know, it's querying a traffic server and figuring out the distance and figuring out the time to drive and sending that in into a, a text message. And that's great. Um, and and uh, Joe Steele wrote a, a wonderful workflow that lets you create one of those super fave uh, things and a tweet. And man, I'm going to use that every day in 2015. I'm going to super. Start something somewhere because uh, it's a lot of fun and I'll, it uses regular expressions which I uh, I know how to write and so text munging and things should be pretty exciting too so I support this this is why I, I said we could go with uh, we could go with overcast for for best iOS app I think overcast has had the biggest impact on my life as an iOS user but as a brand new app with a huge amount of potential I think workflow is really exciting and bringing that power that the previously only maybe the Veticis of the world uh, understood to to a uh, broader audience, not necessarily the broadest audience, but a broader audience.
0: So I think we're we're decided on that as well. This is good. This is great. This is like a real democracy happening mm-hmm.
1: here. But I don't want to go to the chat room unless we absolutely have to.
0: And uh, but I, and I, I think that the, <laughs> they scare me. It may have to start with the next. Yeah, it, yeah, app I think so. For a good for for what I think will be a good reason that will become apparent. So we now want to talk about the best Mac app. Um, the, yes. of, of the year. So for me, right. I mean, I think for for both of us, neither of these apps are new apps, but they're they're apps Correct. that we use a lot. So they're you know they are currently our our favorite best apps. Um, so on the Mac for me, it's Fantastical, um, great app, great app, best I, on the Mac, I think. Yes, I I would love, I still would love uh, a more blown out dedicated app. Than just the menu bar app, like more akin to what you see uh, on iOS, like on the iPad, for example. Just so I could see right. more um, at a time, but just the the power that that I have with Fantastic L in being able to very quickly and easily just set my tasks and in. in natural language, it just works so well for me and I can fire off a keyboard shortcut it opens it up, I can just start typing things in and as if by magic I have an appointment set Uh one of my favourite things about Fantastical and this isn't something that a lot of people know, I don't think because every time I mention it people are, are, are surprised you can it, it does a great thing with time zones as well. So where I it set does. things in multiple time zones all the time, so let's say me and Jason decided we wanted to, to record, he, he will say to me, oh, can we record at my 11 a.m. next week? I'll go, fine, and then I'll just open up Fantastic Hour and just write upgrade at 11 a.m. PST, and it just recognizes it and sets it in my local time. That is so powerful for me. Uh, and it's it makes this app an absolute lifesaver that i don't have to use multiple apps to work it out and also like when when it's coming to a time where there's a time change having fantastic how do all of that math for me as well is is super cool oh. so that's my pick jason what is yours well, I I thought long and hard. I I use a lot
1: of different Mac apps, including Fantastical, um, and I thought about use I thought about it, I thought about uh, uh, Skype Call Recorder from Ecamm Software, which I you know couldn't do podcasting without. It's a a really great. I mean, I could I could use something else. It wouldn't be as good. I would not choose to do uh, podcasting without Call Recorder. Um, I, I you know there are so many different choices. But as I said earlier, I do most of my writing in BB Edit. And um, the new version of BB edit came out this year. Uh, They pulled it from the Mac app store. It's just available from bare bones for various reasons. And uh, you know, the fact is uh, starting a new website, I spent a lot of time editing files in BBEdit, and yeah, using Transmit for FTP, and I used Coda for a little while, also from Panic. Um, but BBEdit has been the thing that I've been using to write stories in Markdown, to edit CSS, to edit HTML files. It's uh, to do lots of search and replace. It's the app that I probably spend the most time in um, and spent the most time in in 2014. So it's hard for me not to, to say that, as probably for most of the past Fifteen
0: years, my Mac app of choice is BB Edit. So, this is where we're going to need the help of the chat room. So, I think so. Everybody in the chat room, if you can, kind of just start throwing in what you think should be the winner for this. The key reason being, I've never used BB Edit. Ah, well, you um, should just agree that I am right then, because you trust me. <laughs> so, I mean, I would say that I think that, and an, I hear a lot about BB Edit. Um, and, and I'm, I am familiar with the fact that it is incredibly powerful and it seems like one of those apps that for people that use it it is just an indispensable um, app, like you know, you, you kind of, for those of you that need it it's just there, you know, and it's got everything in it and it seems to have all these bundles and stuff like that that I don't fully understand um, but it definitely seems like a powerful uh, application.
1: Oh yeah, and and it's been around forever. I think one of the one of the nice things about it is that it's um it has moved with the times I mean it was originally written I mean it had to come through uh, going to Xcode um, it was from classic macOS to OS X it supports a lot of the Unix features in OS X that were not there when it was conceived of originally um, there are lots of text editors out there um, I also don't use it for what is probably its primary purpose which is editing code I mean most of what I'm doing is writing in Markdown um, uh, there's a vote in the chat room for Sublime Text which is a very popular text editor among people who don't mind editing a text file in order to edit your preferences. Boo. Uh, You call yourself a Mac user? Come on. There needs to be a preferences pane. That's my that's my rant about Sublime Text. Um, So BB Edit is fantastic. Uh, skipper l in the chat room makes the point that it's great, but there are other great text editors. Well, there are other text editors. Many of them are good. Um Sublime Text is not one of them. Ha <laughs> burn. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> I can't text get the pa- walls. Yeah, <laughs> I know go. it's going to have editors at war. Here it comes. I just I I can't I can't get past the fact that Sublime Text when you choose preferences it brings up a text file and says edit this to change your preferences. It's like yeah, up yours. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is that does ridiculous. That sounds horrible. That sounds horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not I don't I don't endorse it. But Fantastical has broader appeal and I I use it and love it too. So even though the chat room has also voted your way, I'm going to graciously just agree that uh, we'll choose Fantastical.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, for for that. And congratulations for Fantastic Hell for being the the winner of the best Mac app upgradey. So the the you know, in, in the style of the previous two, we now have the best newcomer Mac app. And we've actually voted unanimously yes
1: yes all two voters voted unanimously
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yep. and we've gone for mailbox jason why why is mailbox uh your favorite Mac well, app
1: what of the year? what's really crazy about this is mailbox is still a beta it's from it's owned by uh dropbox now and uh, a couple months ago uh Chamblant, of the sweet setup came to me along with uh, along with Stephen Hackett and said, "Would you like to write about uh, alternatives to Apple Mail?" And I said, "Okay." How many could there be? And it turns out there are an awful lot. And I tried them all, <laughs> and um, I actually re- decided I really like Mailbox. Um, it is not. It is far from flawless. It doesn't work with anything but Gmail accounts, including Google Apps for domains, which is what I have, or iCloud. Um, Those are the only mail uh, servers it works for right now. You really need to use it on the iOS uh, side and the Mac side for it to work. But what I like about it is it doesn't have a lot of features. I don't want a lot of features. There's an app out there that has every feature imaginable. If you want that app, you can go get it. Um, But what Mailbox is great at is it's simple um, and it lets you treat your inbox like a to-do list. And not only does that mean you can reorder messages, to which I do. I use my inbox as a to-do list. So you can... You can. Uh, I would leave messages in my inbox forever because I was like, I gotta get back to that person, and I can't file it because then I'm never gonna respond to them. What uh, Mailbox lets you do is very easily with a swipe of your trackpad on the Mac and of your uh, of your finger on iOS is um, delete, archive, uh, file away in a in a folder basically, or um, or uh, set it with a schedule basically to boomerang back into your inbox. Which means you can sit there and go. I'll deal with this tomorrow. I don't need to deal with that ever. I'm going to delete that one. I'm going to deal with that next week. I'll deal with that eventually. And process your mail rapidly so that what you've got in your inbox is your inbox of stuff you should deal with now and not a whole collection of things that you should eventually deal with. And it lets you sort of prioritize. And I think it's a really nice conceit. It's not for everyone, but um, I I think it's good. It's my primary, um, uh, primary Mac mail program. I will say... Um, I also use Mailplane, which is basically a Macified uh, window into the Gmail web interface. Because Mailplane's access, direct access to uh, search, is the best <laughs> if you use Gmail. But um, Mailbox, as a day-to-day kind of mail processing app, it's it's it was my favorite of all the ones I tested. And I haven't. I think the the truest proof here is that I haven't gone back to Mail. Dot app, which every other mail alternative I've tried, I've given up. It's not for everybody. I've heard, I've heard from a bunch of people since that story went up on Sweet Setup. They're like, "But what about this? But what about that?" And it's like, well, like the story says, it's not for everybody. It doesn't work with all the services. There are some other options out there. I think there are not a lot of great options. I think there's some that are um, that are coming on that that have a lot of potential. But right now, uh, Mailbox has done an amazing thing just by sticking in my dock. And and allowing me to take mail dot app out. And that's uh, I, I think that's impressive. So there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I love mailbox on, on the iPhone. So like mailbox on the Mac then becomes like the de facto. You kind of you, you need to use the system together to get the most out of the system. Otherwise, weird things start happening to your mail. Right. Because when you start setting something mm-hmm. to pop up again tomorrow, and you start reorganizing things, it's not going to happen. You're not going to see that a lot of that stuff reflected in other mail clients. So you kind of go all in if you want to, if you really want to get in on this. Which is why I've done the Mac app because it allows you to to really use the system to its fullest. And the the Mac app still has some work to do. Like the, some of the it doesn't have as many uh, configurable swipe gestures. Swipe gestures uh as the iPhone does like there are just some things that are missing so for example i have one uh on my iphone that allows me to swipe to mark a, a message as read or unread and that just doesn't exist as an option at the moment um but you know a lot of those things are i assume coming as we're still in a, in a beta but even in a beta state it's the app that i most like to use on my mac and and i feel like i'm able to process and deal with my email better than i ever have before um So the the next category is for best game. Now, we have an iOS game uh, category coming up shortly, but this is for the best console game. So me and Federico Vatici, we have a show on Relay FM called Virtual, and we did our Game of the Year episode uh, last week. And we didn't actually crown a Game of the Year because it's quite a difficult thing to do. So Mm -hmm. I had to sit and do some real thinking about what I thought would be the best thing me to go with in this category so we we both picked a selection of games and I took a look at that and I picked out from that my favourite iOS game and my favourite overall game of the year. Um, so for me it was what was the game that I have enjoyed playing the most this year what's the game that has given me the most fun and it's actually a game that's on the Vita it's, it's now on the PS4 and it's coming next year to uh, the Wii uh, and 3DS I think and it's a game called Ollie Ollie. Mm-hmm. Um which is O Double I- it's all one word. And Ollie Oli is like a, a a mix between a Tony Hawk game and Mario. Um it's a basically you you are it's a skateboarding game um and, and you effectively have to get from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen, like the old Super Mario Brothers, like the scrolling world, right? So you just you see everything sort of side on and you go from left to right. Um and then at the end you finish the level. You have goals that you need to complete, like you have to score this amount, you have to pick up these things, that kind of thing. Like the old, Again, like the old Tony Hawk's games, if you've played them. Um, it's got fantastic music, has a really cool art style like this 2D art style. It's really challenging. It actually started life as an iOS game uh, and then the guys at Roll Seven, who are a UK design company, a UK development company, decided that it actually was a game that would benefit from physical buttons. So they brought it over to the PS tier and it and it's done. It did really well, actually. It scored really well, like lots of eights and nines out of ten. Um, and I think of all of the games I've played this year, it's maybe been one of the most fun experiences that I've had uh, from a video game. So it's Ollie Ollie. Sounds good. It's not really my thing, but
1: uh, and and for platforms that I don't have. <laughs> but so, uh, what gonna, is yours? This, this is gonna be a hard one. I I uh, I decided to go with uh, I think the game not only that I probably had the most fun playing um, uh, not on an iOS device this year, but also the game that prompted me to buy a Wii U, which is Mario Kart Eight. Um, Mario Kart's great and we played Mario Kart on the Wii uh, endlessly and now we have Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U and it's beautiful in HD and a lot of fun and we bought the downloadable content pack uh, which adds more drivers and, and crazy like Legend of Zelda themed tracks and all of that and it's a great family game we can play you know we've got multiple Wii controllers so we can all race against each other um it's just it's a lot of fun and uh you know it's Mario Kart so if you've played Mario Kart you know it's Mario Kart and uh it's that simple it is just a huge amount of fun to play i'm not a big fan of serious uh car racing games uh, but Mario Kart is not is not serious <laughs> and uh, i like it and my kids like it and uh, so I, I i would have to i would have to mention it uh as the best game on uh on a console uh this year so that i played so mario kart 8 is what i choose mario kart wins
0: all right yay so i uh i'm going to talk about this shortly but i received a wii u for christmas Mm -hmm. um and i love mario kart like it's so good it it only hasn't made it into my game of the year lists because i didn't have a wii u (laughs) at the (laughs) point where we picked them and and I wouldn't have wanted to suggest it then, because like to suggest it for this one because I haven't really had it for a long time. But in the 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 relatively short time I've had playing the game, it's just fantastic, um, and and I and I wouldn't want to not give it the award because it is that good. Um, and I hope that Nintendo accept the upgradey uh, graciously and put it <laughs> on the box art for the uh, platinum edition.
1: I'm sure they game. will.
0: So let's move to iOS. Um, Yes. For me, when I was thinking about this, I took a look at the iOS game that I have played and enjoyed the most. Um, And for me, it has to be Threes. Uh, I think I may have played Threes every single day since it came out. (laughs) Wow. Wow i play threes constantly like when i mentioned earlier about you know i listen to podcasts a lot of the time when i'm listening to podcasts like if i'm traveling you know like i'm commuting uh i will be playing threes whilst listening sometimes i actually sit at home and listen to podcasts like just chilling out like and i'll be playing threes at the same time uh you know i kind of you know like what i was saying earlier like i kind of treat I treat podcasts that many pe- the way that many people treat TV shows and movies. Like, it's my favorite form of entertainment, so sometimes I just choose to listen to them, you know? I don't have to be traveling or whatever while I'm doing it. Um, and a lot of the time, my my accompaniment is threes. I'm not that good at threes. I'm, like, mid, you know, like, middle of the road, I guess, because most of my friends are much better than me. Like, my high score is is, like, 29,000 or something like that. Which is a good score, but I mean, I know people that have ridiculous scores. Uh, Twenty nine thousand six hundred and sixteen is is my is my highest score on the threes. But I just think it's it's like the perfect iPhone game. Um, it is infinitely playable because it's there isn't a progression as such. You know, there isn't like a story, um, so it doesn't get old in that instance. And it's perfectly playable with one hand. It's fantastic on the six plus because you can you can move the tiles around from anywhere on the screen. You don't need to be touching a specific part of the screen. So it works perfectly in one hand, no matter where your hand fits on the screen, you know, uh, so you can just do it with one thumb. Mm-hmm. I love threes. Um, it's, it's easily my iOS game of the year.
1: This one was really hard for me because there are the games that I played the most. And then they're the ones that I feel like are the most kind of worthy of appreciation. Um, uh so Threes is on my list. There's no doubt about it. Crossy Road is on my list. As ridiculous as that game is, the fact is it was so compulsively, compellingly, addictively playable. Just You could just play it anytime and you could play it quickly. I mean, in, in some ways, a perfect mobile game. I have a different sort than threes because it does demand 100% of your attention uh, while you're playing it. Whereas threes, you can pause at any point. Um, Monument Valley is on that list because although it doesn't take a long time to complete, so it's not going to be something that lives with you, it is a really wonderful experience that has stuck with me in terms of the imagery and the story and the sounds. And I think about it a lot. I think as a work of art, um, it's uh, really great. And then, of course, the we got the uh, expansion pack this year. Um, there's a game called Rules, which I really, really love. Uh, wrote about on Six Colors a couple of weeks ago, where you get a four by four grid of cards, and you've got a, a succession of increasingly complicated rules that you have to follow in order to clear the board before you can move on. And there's a ticking clock. Um, I, I think that's a lot, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Space Age, the retro scrolling adventure, um, and I, uh, I really. Um, I don't know. It, it it's hard to make a it's hard to make a final decision. If I'm being honest, the game that I probably spent the most time on this year is Flappy Golf by the developers of Super Stickman Golf. They made a Flappy Bird joke using their physics and golf course and it's a fantastic game. It is so great. It is better, I think, than Super Stickman Golf, partially because it is not um junked up by the free to play like uh, buy some coins, buy some hats junk that they put in Super Stickman Golf 2. It's got ads that you can pay to turn off, but um, it's just a... uh, It's great golf courses, and I loved the fact that you really need to understand the physics of when you're flapping the the golf ball (laughs) to its destination, and the goal is to do it and get it in the hole in as few flaps as possible. And uh, it's just... I played every level, every single level, and I don't do that with most iOS games. I don't go through every single level. I play it for a while, and I'm like, oh, well, this is fun, and then I just kind of move on because that's what happens. Um, So if, if this award goes to the game I played the most hours, it's probably Flappy Golf. I kind of feel like I need to say Monument Valley, though, because even though I didn't spend the most time on it, because it doesn't last that long, I feel like it is a uh, just a wonderful piece of work and award-worthy for being beautiful and interesting. And yes, it's not a super challenging puzzle but uh, that's not what I was trying to get out of it I wanted that experience and I hate using such a squishy word as experience but that's what it was it was like a story it was storytelling interactive storytelling and gently challenging and beautiful and immersive and all of those things that I think we hope more um, more uh, iOS games can be so in the end uh, Monument Valley by a nose over Flappy Golf and, and uh Crossy Road and not not Flappy Bird <laughs> just it's two things that were that were that were uh creative that were uh spawned by Flappy Bird.
0: So I kind of think that there is no game more award-worthy than Monument Valley. Yeah. Um maybe of all of the games that I've played this year it's the game that deserves the most awards because it is so I mean people aren't I don't think people will like this, but I consider it groundbreaking uh in, in what it has achieved um and what it has done for iOS and, and some of the paths that it has opened for people now and, and to prove that you can kind of come from nowhere and have this incredible success which flies in the face of convention. And and I think Crossy Road has actually benefited from the fact that Monument Valley exists because where they are vastly different games with vastly different models of, uh, uh, of monetization... I, th- I think potentially, I mean, I don't know this, but you, I can imagine being the developers across the Road, looking at Monument Valley, seeing how it didn't do what everyone tells you you need to do and was yeah. still a success. So for me, I think if you're going to look at a game that has maybe made the biggest impact and maybe is also like has made a big impact on me, I think Monument Valley would have to be the winner. All right. Well, so that's I mean, it then. Yep. That is it. <laughs> well, Monument Valley wins, wins the upgrade. But, but there, there are a lot of great choices here oh it's really. been a fantastic so many year. good choices like yeah all of the games that you mentioned i give a plus one to every single one of them yeah space age is a excellent game uh-huh. uh that i loved uh, and crossy road is so much fun i only did, haven't really considered crossy road because i actually don't think for me that it's got the same lasting power and a game like that i think needs to have lasting power like threes is on my list not because it is a like a groundbreaking video game cuz it's very simple but the very simple games they should be endlessly playable and crossy road is fun but it's it's kind of dying off for me a bit now yeah uh, where 3s hasn't 3s came out in january and well, the, i'm still the, playing it
1: the problem with crossy road and 3s seems to have this less although 3s you do need to get these very high scores to to win there is the um, the challenge i think as you're going is greater than crossy road. I think after a point in crossy road, you are, you're, you're trying to get a score so high that, um, the whole first five minutes you're playing is prelude. And I, you know, I got good enough at crossy road that most of the time I can get into the hundreds and, uh, you know, 15% of the time I can get to the, into the high hundreds. And you know what? Uh, it, if, if the game comes down to you know five or ten minutes of frustration of getting to your little avatar to the point where you're 15 away from your high score, and then it's one minute of intense play to get above or fail, I don't know. I, I feel like the balance is off then, and I don't know if there's any solution on a game like Crossy Road, but I feel like threes you're, you're working the numbers and threes and looking at the colors and looking at the numbers and all that is you're kind of getting into a state of like this, you know, it's like a trance almost where you're, you're, you're playing the game and that's part of the appeal of the game. And then you want to get a high score too. Um, and Crossy road doesn't have that. I feel like I, I can sort of get in a trance sometimes with Crossy road, but again, it was a lot more pleasurable when I was trying to get to 70 than now that I'm trying to get to 250. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay, so our next uh, award is going to be for our favorite movie of the year. This award is brought to you by our friends at Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store for a free trial and 10% off. Visit squarespace.com and use the offer code UPGRADE. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all of the power that you need into your hands and take away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. They have a fantastic, clean, simple, and beautiful designs. Their their templates are just beautiful. I love them. They're, They're a really great way to make your own website pop and shine and it's all of this stuff has been completely refined with Squarespace seven and they have even more beautiful templates than ever before 15 new ones in total that all feature responsive design. They've even partnered with some core musicians, architects, artists and chefs to develop new templates that cater to these professions. Squarespace have developed and implemented something they're calling the cover page. This allows you to create a really great looking single page website that has all of the power of a full Squarespace site. They're really cool for personal sites or maybe you have an announcement coming up, maybe an engagement, or maybe you have a special one-time deal on a book that you're writing and you want to create a specific page for that. This is a really cool thing to do for these types of things. And as we head into the new year, it's the perfect time to give your uh, website something new, like a cover page, You give people a nice intro to your website, make it a New Year's resolution to try out this feature, Just see what it's all about. They have great support Squarespace, 24-7 support of live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Ireland who are there to help you out. They have Squarespace's commerce platform, which allows anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site. We use that for our Relay store, and we've had great experience with it so far. And, you know, they have things like the Getty Images. Oh, this is so fantastic. I, they have – if you need imagery for a post or for your site – it can be such a hassle and such a pain to find this stuff and it can be so expensive. But Squarespace have partnered with Getty Images to provide you with awesome photography. They have millions of photos available at just $10 an image. If you sign up right now for a Squarespace account, if you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name too, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just 8 a month don't just take my word for it go and try all of this stuff out for yourself if you go right now to squarespace.com and sign up you can get a free trial there you no credit card needed and you'll be able to get yourself a fantastic 10% off of anything over at squarespace any plan at squarespace when you use the code upgrade at checkout thank you so much to squarespace for their continued support of Relay FM and for their supportive upgrades squ- Squarespace start here go anywhere. Yay. So Jason, we are moving Mike. into the favorite movie of the year. Would you like to tell the listeners what your favorite movie of this year has been? Uh,
1: I would like you to start. I think that the, fl- the the that it will go better this way. So you you oh. let me know what you think.
0: Okay. Okay. So, my favorite movie of this year is it's not the best movie I've seen this year, but it's I think it's my favorite. And, and and I actually do – I don't know if you're one of these people, Jason, but I do consider a huge difference between those two things, that your favourite doesn't have to be the best and the best doesn't have to be your favourite. I'm with you. Um, and, and I think the best experience that I have had in a the movie theatre this year is seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah. Um, I've actually – I love Marvel movies, uh, but I've missed a couple. I haven't seen Thor 2 and I haven't seen Captain America.
1: <sighs> don't – don't see Thor two.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm now going to skip it because I've heard uh, from your shows that it's not worth it. But I've yet to see Captain America, and I, and I am it's it's probably the next movie that I'm going to watch. The, the the first one or the second one? Uh, the second one, the Winter Soldier. I've seen the first okay. one. Uh, but so I've just kind of missed some of the movies this year. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy was so much more than I expected it was going to be. There were so many unknown elements in this story um, for me going in. Uh, there were some actors that I'd never seen in a movie before, some actors uh-huh. that had never been in a blockbuster movie before, uh, like Dave Batista, who is a professional wrestler, or right. was a professional wrestler. Um, and there, there were just, you know, and there's, there's elements like you have Vin Diesel saying like three words over and over again. That seems <laughs> yes. pretty peculiar. You have Bradley Cooper, who is an absolute A lister playing a raccoon. Yeah, uh, just the voice. Just the voice of a raccoon. I didn't know a lot about their story, which is uh, for every other Marvel movie that I have seen has not been the case. I've been uh, fam- very, very familiar with the stories right. of everybody else. Um, so there were a bunch of things. I was like, I'm not sure about this. And I, was, my, I had a smile from ear to ear for like the entire two hours. It was an, just an absolute... Roaring success for me. Like it, all of the unknown elements ended up being the best parts. Uh, huh. I I I absolutely loved uh, Drax. Right. Is is was my yeah, character. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Absolutely yep. hilarious. Obviously, everybody loves Groot. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Just all of these things, and just Chris Pratt is an absolute superstar. Like yes, he was so good in this movie, and yeah, I just I I absolutely adored it. Uh, so for me it's been my favorite movie that I've seen this year
1: well I liked Guardians of the Galaxy a whole lot um and uh I'm going to cite uh, Incomparable number 207 where we talked about it uh but I like it a lot and um I feel like it's difficult for me to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy in a way because I feel like I just didn't like it as much as a lot of people did. Um, I think that it got so hyped up and some people loved it so much and I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Um, and in fact, I've watched it a couple of times since it came out on home video and I appreciate it more every time and I think that's a sign of me forgiving its flaws and also not being quite as swayed by the, um, by the hype that everybody else went in. Yeah. To you know, everybody else was sharing before I went in to see the movie the first time because sometimes that happens. You get a movie really hyped, and even if it's good, it's not as good as you expected because everybody said, "Oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever." Um, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I like it more every time I I watch it. It is so entertaining. It has so many good things going for it. The performances. There are a lot of really good performances, and I can kind of forgive the movie its flaws, but it definitely has them. The whole. Um, there's a there's about a 20 minute chunk where they're trying to download information about Thanos and Ronin and Nebula and Gamora and how they're all related to each other and it it turns out the movie was originally Thanos was the villain and then Marvel basically came in and said no 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 Thanos is going to be the villain in Avengers 3 or whatever and so you can't use him now and so then they made it Ronin and Thanos sort of appears in the background and everything became honestly I think that broke a lot of parts of the movie because suddenly it it wasn't uh, Gamora rebelling against her father. It was Gamora rebelling against the guy who was sent by her father, and that's not you know it's not as dramatic and i think gamora some of her best character development happens before we meet her which is unfortunate yeah. i like that character but i think that, that that there's sort of a mistake that happens there um with with how she's how she's introduced there's a deleted scene that adds a lot to her character which is a really sh- or it's a shame of all the scenes to be deleted that that scene got deleted and there's some there's some bits of the dialogue that i that don't thrill me that i think is the the director um being a little too cute and uh pandering a little bit too much to a kind of 12 year old boy audience that i didn't really appreciate but uh it's a it's a really fun movie and the fact that it was a success and the fact that i like that and i like even more the fact that marvel took a chance with a movie like this because this movie by all rights should not have worked and marvel now is printing money right so they should be able to just um right just play it safe and instead they're doing the other thing which is we are riding so high that we can take risks and this is a huge risk and it totally paid off and and there are very few movies that I put in the same level again when we're talking about favorites and, and the feeling you get when you leave the movie theater as Guardians of the Galaxy I, you know star, the Star Wars movies fall into that camp where it's just it's fun I had a hugely fun time at the movie theater uh, the Firefly movie Serenity I would say is in that camp I just came out of that movie like totally excited some of the early Star Trek movies like Star Trek 2 and 4 when I came out of the theater as a teenager I was like, wow, that was really awesome Um, there's not a lot of movies that make me feel like that Um, there are a lot of movies where you nod solemnly and go, yes, that was a very good, important movie Um, fine film for all to consume and consider Uh, but Guardians of the Galaxy was like, wow, that was fun and we named our cat Rocket so there you go
0: (laughs) so it hit with the family at least
1: yeah, yeah, I know everybody well, it was that a Groot and we didn't think he was a Groot he was more of a Rocket Uh, we'll see if we get a dog or something maybe we'll have Groot and then we'll have a nice pair um so my choice is a movie you haven't seen so this will be interesting to see how it goes and although we talked about uh movies that have had uh, that are fun and the movies from marvel that have surprised i don't i haven't seen a lot of movies this year because we have with my kids at the ages they are it's uh, become problematic for us to find time at home to watch movies on video after the kids have gone to, to bed because it's too late and uh there are movies that the kids can't watch because they're inappropriate for for their ages and that it makes it very hard for us to see those movies so i haven't seen as many films as i would like this year um, so I'm going to go with a favorite and I'm going to follow you in the in the uh, blockbuster vein and say, uh, I really think The Winter Soldier is uh, perhaps the best Marvel movie. And I say that because on one level, Captain America, he's kind of boring. And his most interesting story was the story of him in World War II. And they told that in the first movie, which I like a lot, directed by Joe Johnson. I think that's a really good movie. Uh, but The Winter Soldier... Has a totally different vibe. It's not really a Captain America movie. It's a Captain America and Shield movie. Um, it's paranoid. It's a. Uh, it's got a great use of Robert Redford in a, a spy '70s spy kind of vibe role, which is great. Um, it deals with a lot. Not to spoil it because you haven't seen it, but it deals with a lot of modern issues in a surprisingly. I mean, it's as subversive as a summer popcorn movie can be. It at least airs the questions about what is your government doing in your name and what is patriotism and is patriotism following your orders as a government agent or is patriotism knowing when the government is doing something wrong and standing up against it and all of that is in the winter soldier along with a bunch of fantastic action scenes and some great Samuel L Jackson stuff and some great Scarlett Johansson stuff and and great Captain America stuff um the winter soldier by the way is not Captain America it is a different character in the movie but i've discovered that lots of people just thought that Captain Captain America was the Winter Soldier. Um, okay. Anyway, I, I like it a lot. I think it's actually a, a, a su- again, I was really surprised at how good it was because I, I, I didn't know what I expected, but I didn't expect it to be as great as it really is. So, uh, Incomparable number 190, by the way, titled The Cloud is Run by Hydra, is the, uh, is the, the episode where we talked about it. And uh, I liked it a lot. B- big fan.
0: So you can find links to both of those incomparable episodes in our comprehensive show notes for this week, which are at Mm -hmm. relay.fm slash upgrade slash 16. We are going to need the chat room's help on this one as uh, I haven't seen one of the movies. But I I am familiar with the Winter Soldier story. I've read the comic. Oh, Uh, good, good,
1: yeah. It's sort of told in shorthand in the movie because it's not really about the reveal of who the winter soldier is and when it comes it's not quite as dramatic because you haven't had months and months to uh ponder uh the storyline it's just all in the movie but uh a lot of a lot of good a lot of good stuff in there
0: so there aren't a lot of know. votes coming through in the chat room for these two which uh I, I don't know what what about that uh however joe Steele is saying winter soldier's greater than guardians mm. uh up guardians of the galaxy from dented meat (laughs) um i'm i'm gonna cede to you on this one because you have seen both movies Hmm. um and joe Steele has seen both movies so uh and there are more there are more as we're saying there there are more winter soldier (laughs) votes coming through so
1: Moises Chuyon's in the chat room saying I just got here what do I do <laughs> it's like Moises just say which one is better Winter Soldier Ah, oh, there we go Winter Soldier uh, we're going to give it to the Winter Soldier but uh, yeah, super footnoted uh, runner up to Guardians which is a super fun great movie I think Marvel you know Thor 2 I didn't like at all but uh, Marvel is doing some amazing stuff and the, the, obviously the rest of the movie uh, industry is taking notice and is trying to replicate what they're doing and so we're going to get franchised to death in the next five years but you got to give it to Marvel they have this run has been amazing in terms of general quality when it could really have not been very good and it has been very good. Um, Man of Steel.
0: It sounds like <clears throat> anyway. well, it sounds like Thor Two is the only black mark on an otherwise I hate record.
1: it. Yeah, I, I. So Thor Two has the same problems. Now we're going to be doing a movie podcast, and we're running out of time. We need to move on. We got more categories, but um, Thor Two, like uh, the worst parts of Guardians of the Galaxy, gets mired in this weird, like mystical sci-fi, complicated weirdness that I think is just not necessary. (laughs) And I I think it owes something to Marvel's, uh, like they've got their little black book of continuity that they're trying to throw in there for the fans. And Thor 2, you know, throws away, I think the things that were best about the original Thor, which is him on earth and, and uses plays up the stuff that's the worst, which is this really bizarre mytho alien sci-fi Asgard stuff. That's not good. So I don't recommend it.
0: It's loud. <laughs> I'll give it that. It's very loud. So, All right. What's next? It's favorite book. Uh, the issue being here is I think this may be the first year that I can remember that I have actually, uh, I have not read a book this year, like cover to cover.
1: All right. Well, we're gonna. I'll tell you what. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cite. Uh, since since I added this category, and you were like, okay, I don't have anything to say here. I, I think we're going to uh, give some honorable mentions and then move on. I just want to plug three books I read that I really enjoyed this year, which is uh, the the Golem and the Genie by Helene Wecker. Uh, which is about a a golem and a genie who meet in uh, New York City in Manhattan uh, amidst the great immigration of the mid to late 19th century. It's uh, great. Ancillary Justice, uh, which is by Ann Leckie and won all the sci-fi awards for good reason. It's a really uh, good space opera-y kind of book with some shades of Ursula Le Guin thrown in, I think. Um, And Station Eleven, Uh, whose author now totally (laughs) escapes me. Uh, Emily St. John Mandel is her name. Uh, Really, really good uh, post-apocalyptic story that is not super zombie full. There are no zombies in it, but it's not like one of those really gross, nasty, dirty apocalypses, uh, nor is it a clean, shiny, friendly apocalypse. It's kind of in between, and it's a little like Lost in that a bunch of the stories kind of intersect, uh, except it has a really great ending, and uh, I liked it a lot. So those are my three uh, book recommendations for this year, and we can move on, and we'll just tip a hat to them. Thank what you, a, books.
0: What a great name Emily St. John Mandel is. Mm. I That's see why you can not remember it, though. It doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue.
1: Yeah, once you get it, it's in there forever, but I haven't committed it to memory just yet.
0: So this one will be fun. Uh, Favorite gadget of the year? Um, Without a shadow of a doubt for me, it is the iPhone 6 Plus. Uh, I love this phone. I think it's the best iPhone Apple have ever made. Come at me, bros. Uh, It's got the greatest battery life. It continues to, to surprise me every day. Uh, it's basically, I, I tell you what, the, the the easiest way for me to explain the iPhone 6 Plus is it's, and this is basically Apple's marketing copy, it's everything I like about an iPhone but more of it. And for me, that ticks all the boxes. But for many, it doesn't. Uh, it has changed the way I use my iPhone, but some of the changes that it's made are for the better. I love this device. It's now the only iOS device I need and use because it fits so perfectly in the spot that I need it to fill. But I totally understand why people don't like it. Jason, over to you. Uh I think
1: that's a I, I, if a boy, if I pick the iPhone 6 here, it would really be a tough fight, wouldn't it? I'm gonna pick <laughs> I'm gonna pick the 5k iMac. I've written about it on my site. we've talked about it here. Um I I did not come into this year thinking I would buy an iMac. At at no point did I consider that as one of my office setup strategies was buying an iMac, and I bought a 5K iMac. And why did I do it? Uh, Not just because of the screen, although the screen is beautiful, but also because of the the power of it. The fact that this is a... um, it 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 scores better than the low end mac pro at some tests it is kind of mac pro ish power in an imac with a retina display and the only way you're going to get desktop retina uh from apple this year so or next year probably maybe um it's a pretty spectacular computer i love it it's so fast the screen is amazing um and it's probably the most powerful computer i've ever bought um, when you when you think about it, like even relative to the time, because I I I don't know if I've ever spent this much money on a computer before, and uh, to get something this feels like this top of the line also is a, a rarity for me. I usually am sort of in the mid range, but I kind of couldn't resist. And it is a fantastic piece of work. It's also nice to see Apple making a Mac that is so uh, awesome, and that it isn't all just sort of like recycling all the old Mac stuff. They, there's still some real life in the uh, in the Mac yet. So. That's uh that's my choice is the I liked it so much when I reviewed it that I bought one. How about that?
0: I think I'll I'll give you this one, uh mainly because I have nothing against the iMac. <laughs> uh and I know that you have that you, the, I, the, I can't you don't I, like I six plus. Yeah. But I don't neither like nor dislike the iMac. I've seen it and I think it's fantastic and I would I I it's a computer that I would very much like to own. I just don't need one. Right. Um,
1: I, I, I don't dislike the six plus. Uh, I chose the six as the phone that I wanted to get and I prefer the six and I think the six plus is, uh, has a narrower audience and you're in it and that's great. I think I, I, you know, I think it's not a replacement for an iPad, but I think it is a, uh, a, 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 it's really cool to see Apple doing the six plus and, and, going over that ground that sort of like previous regimes at Apple said, no, no, we'll, we're never going to do a phone like that. And they did a phone like that, and it's good. And I think that's great. But um, I will accept graciously your uh, passing on the uh, 5K iMac. So thank you.
0: So in the same vein, um, as suggested by uh, upgrady and Justin, what is your favorite non-Apple gadget of the year? Clearly he knew <laughs> where the favorite <laughs> gadget category was going. For me, um, I picked the PlayStation 4, uh it's just it's the best games console that I've that I've played this year. I mean, I have I have all three. I have a I now have a Wii U, I have a PlayStation 4 and I have an Xbox 1. Uh and I I liked I, I very very much like my Wii U. I think it's fantastic. Like it has some things about it which are brilliant, you know, the fact that you can kind of play it from any room, you know, you don't have to have the TV on, you, that kind of thing. But if you're looking at like a pure you want a games console a next generation games console, the PlayStation wins um, because it it knows what it wants to be and it's that. Mm. The Xbox One also wants to be everything else in your living room. Yes. And and a lot of the experience of using the Xbox One suffers from that. Um, And Microsoft made some very stupid choices that they had to go back on uh, over and over and over again. Um, And... I think that there are many things about the PlayStation which it's you know and 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 Sony are very focused on making a console and an experience what they call for the players. Um, it's the marketing strategy, but I genuinely uh, believe in it uh, because a lot of their decisions that I see, it's very much focused on creating the best gaming experience that they can, uh, and I I think that they achieve that. And, and for a next-gen console, the PlayStation 4, for me, is is, is the choice. And considering that video games are, are, is kind of my other major passion, mm. uh, definitely that. And also, looking into 2015, the PlayStation lineup is killer. Like Microsoft can't hold account to it, in my opinion. So I think if you're going to get one, it's the one to get.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I have a Wii U and I am very specifically not picking it here, although I really do enjoy, like I said, Mario Kart. Um, I, I subscribe to the same thing that John Siracusa has said on several podcasts, including when he was on Isometric and on ATP, that Nintendo is very good at the kind of in-game experience and uh the rest of it is kind of awful like the i I find yeah it's menu system impenetrable and weird and it you know i i don't know and that the the little console thing with the screen on it is strange and 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 has huge potential that almost no game actually takes advantage of which is frustrating like even a mario kart you can't have a mode where you know one car is you know is using that screen and uh, can only see what's on that screen and everybody else doesn't see them or something it's just not it's just not used very much Uh, we have nintendo land and it's used there but otherwise not so i can't really pick that um i uh so i i am tempted I don't know. I think I had a I had the LifeX light bulbs on here for a while, which are Wi-Fi light bulbs that are kind of fun to play with, and I've enjoyed playing with them and setting them to different colors and things like that. And my daughters enjoyed playing with those too. I think I'm gonna go with the TiVo Mini here, only because I bought a TiVo this year. I went back to went back to TiVo or late last year maybe. And uh, the TiVo Mini is uh, great because you attach it in another room to your Ethernet network, and it's like you've got another DVR. And it's a TiVo has a great interface, and it's a um, it, it, uh, gives you access to live TV and all your recorded programs and YouTube and Amazon and Netflix. And I don't actually need another, uh, TV streamer box other than for iTunes stuff on any of my TVs, because the TiVo will cover, it's my Netflix and Amazon instant video box and all my DVR recorded shows and live TV. And, uh, a couple of months ago they changed the price to $150 for the TiVo Mini and there's no service charge cuz TiVo previously it was $100 and you had to pay $6 a month and I immediately bought one because uh, I sounds thought that so was a ridiculous pretty good deal.
0: to charge $6 a month for it. Well, TiVo it's effectively was, just like a relay box.
1: I, I think really what TiVo is doing is TiVo has some problems with its business model where they have these monthly fees and and essentially what they're doing is saying you should buy lifetime service. Uh, but we're going to lower we should embed lifetime service in the in the cost of the box but that will raise the price price we can't make a business on that so we'll do a monthly fee and then give you the option of paying for a lifetime and i think i hope that the their experiment with the tivo mini will lead them to embedding lifetime service in the, in the hardware they sell and just saying look this is the cost and then we're not we're gonna, not not going to charge you for anything more um you know, who knows if they'll even be around in a few years. Uh, but, uh, I really think the TiVo DVR is still the best experience out there. I have tried some of the others. I think they're fine. I think the TiVo is better. TiVo's iOS apps are good. Uh, but the mini has been really fun because suddenly all the TVs in my house have access to our DVR and streaming and everything else and live TV without having different DVRs in different places, which I did at one point. And, um, and the streaming uh, on the TiVo Mini is pretty elegant. It's uh, You can't even tell that you're not watching it on the DVR when you do it. So I'll throw it out there. I'm happy for this one to go to the PS4. I don't have one. I still have a PS3, an Xbox 360, and the Wii U, all of which are pretty comparable on te- technology. Sad trombone for, for Nintendo. Um, but uh, I'm one of those kind of one-generation past people. But I like the way that Sony made a product that... Um, is not. I think it was a misfire from Microsoft to say don't don't even play games on it. Just use it to watch TV. I think that was a mistake. And uh, Sony focusing on gamers is good. So I will endorse your choice there.
0: Congratulations, PlayStation. Yeah. The worst gadget that we've used this year uh, is an interesting uh, correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've picked the LG G-Watch, um, which is one of the first Android Wear devices. Um, kind of my main problems with the G-Watch is that it's ugly. Um, it's just a kind of like a, a rectangular thing, like slab of thing. There was some really nice things about it. I think that there was some stuff about Android Wear, which is very interesting, um, at a time where they were kind of like... The front runner in in showing their hand that what a graphical user interface could look like on a on a wrist device Um, that really kind of deeply ties into your phone, but the problem itself I think was the device. There were so many weird things about it. Like um, I I I think that I was I think I spoke about this on connected. Is it ever connected or the prompt? I can't remember, but I'll find the episode where I spoke about it at length and put it in the show notes. There were just weird things about it, like when I had to reset it and I had to like read all these like manuals and documentation to find out that I had to like put this little pin into a thing in the back to turn it off. It was just this weird. It was just so many weird things about it. The charging cradle drove me crazy. It didn't get good battery life. Uh, there was the screen resolution was poor. It kind of just wasn't a, a device that that is good.
1: Yeah, um, and, and uh, really quickly, I only used it or or handled it momentarily, but I think the um, I think the Moto three hundred and sixty which my friend, good friend Andy Anako, has found lots of uh, great things about it. And that's fine. I I think the Android Wear watches are all very interesting. My problem with the Moto 360 is it makes a big deal about being round. And it's actually the flat tire where the bottom is not part of the screen. And so it's not round. It's roundish with a flat thing at the bottom. And I just uh, make me a design snob, I guess. If you're going to make a round watch, it should be round it should really be round it should not be round with a thing cut off on the bottom i think that's stupid so um do better boo uh
0: yeah i mean <laughs> uh, i i don't really subscribe to the to the annoyance of the roundness um or calling it a 360 i think that, that for me i always thought that, that kind of worked and and it, their reasoning for why it isn't perfectly round kind of made sense to me that the display drivers went there um
1: see that's not a good yeah oh gee we, we made a round but, watch yeah. but we couldn't really make it round because we couldn't get the hardware to do it well guess what then don't do it <laughs> I think I I think I just think that is a that is a bad excuse I think if you're going to make a product that's round it should be round I can't not look at that product and see the flat tire now I just can't and a round smartwatch is not a bad idea I'm actually a little disappointed that Apple couldn't make it work and that their watch is going to be uh, rectangular but that's uh, them's the brakes but I, I think I feel like uh, yeah I just can't take that, that round round watch that's not round just it kills me, it kills me. Again, I totally agree that this is completely just a uh, a surface thing. But I would rather I would rather explore an Android Wear watch that was not round, uh, that was you know that was owning its shape, <laughs> I guess. But it's fine. We can we can move on, but there are, there are better things to talk about in this upgrade. Or do we have to pick one? To pick I'll give one. you the LG G Watch if you want. That's I th- fine. I don't care.
0: I think I would say the G Watch because they right. both suffer from some of the same problems, but the 360 looks better, where it doesn't look perfect. Yeah, I agree.
1: I I agree. I I like the look, and then and then there's just the sad trombone when you see the flat tire. But uh, we'll go with the G Watch. Congratulations, LG. Uh, check your spam filter for your <laughs> worst gadget award.
0: Uh, Upgradian Oz uh, wanted to suggest our favourite tech story of the year, and and I think for me I've been thinking about this because w- we're putting together a, a kind of a look back across the year um, on connected that we're doing this week, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about what is not necessarily what's my favourite acquisition because <laughs> there's lots of those. You know what's my favorite gadget release, but I think for me, the, the I think my favorite story of the year that happened within our space um, was when Tim Cook wrote his fantastic editorial for Business Week and where he came out as being gay. I just think that it was so inspirational, uh, and just there are so many you know things that I would want to quote time and time again, forever and ever from this piece. That I just think of, just so fantastic, oh. and he has, and I genuinely, and and you know, he, you shouldn't have to feel this way, but I have such respect for him for his courage, um, in doing this, oh, yeah. and for his like, screw you attitude for the world that, you know, where there are so many people in the world, there are so many people, unfortunately, in America that would have a problem with this, and would then, you know, there may be people that don't ever want to buy Apple products again now because of this he decided he wanted to do it and i'm sure he had to really convince the board but he decided and i genuinely believe a lot of this came from him he decided that he wanted to do this because he thought it was important for the world um and and i i think that it is and i think this the the kind of what this uh what this has the the effect that this will have on young people uh i think is so powerful And I think that it actually, this is more than anything Tim Cook will ever do. This is him leaving the world in a better place than when he came to it. Uh, So that's why it's my favorite story of the year.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, that's a really great choice. And... um, (sighs) Yeah, this is. I mean, th- there's more here that we could we could go on forever about this. I I, I feel like there was a lot of conversation, especially when uh, I think Gawker or Valley Wag did a did a story about Tim Cook being gay a couple years ago, and there was a, a reaction of like, "Why are you pulling this guy out of the closet if he wants to be in the closet? Let let it let it be his business." And although I understand that um, and and subscribe to that at the time, I think the complexity of this issue is. Um, it, uh, this well, this showed what the value is in, of letting somebody choose their time and place because he was able to eloquently describe his situation and and he did that by choosing to to talk about it when he wanted to talk about it. I do think that uh, there is something to the argument that you know at the same time it is uh, I don't know it's it's almost like an idealistic argument. It, it's it it shouldn't be a big deal. But it's a big deal, you know, and no, it shouldn't be a big deal. And with each one of these kinds of stories, it becomes less of a big deal. And so the good thing is that Tim Cook is out and it matters less than it did even a couple years ago, but it still matters and it's chipping away and changing the way our society views these issues. And I think that's great. And it was a beautiful moment. So although there's a whole conversation to be had about this, I think think one of the things that I've learned in the last few years is... um, this is a complicated question of uh, privacy and defending your own personal privacy versus um staying in the closet. And uh, it's a really painful, complicated issue. And it's really also not an issue that I deal with personally. And so it's uh, very hard to talk about it from the outside. But I think what's great about this story is that it, it uh, by, by choosing his time and his uh, his uh, method in, uh, in Business Week, Tim Cook got to say it in the way that he wanted to say it. And um, I think it had a powerful effect. And that is what's great about this story. So, I'm happy to acclaim this. I was taking a different tack when I saw tech story and your story wasn't in here. I was thinking of like an individual story that I liked this year. Um, So I will mention that and then I will acclaim your choice as the winner here. Um, one One of my favorite individual tech stories this year was by Matt Honan at Wired. He's now at BuzzFeed, but he was at Wired when he wrote this, called I Liked Everything I Saw on Facebook for Two Days. Here's What It Did to Me, which is a wonderful, ridiculous experiment about how Facebook adjusts what you see based on you liking things. And it was funny and informative and uh, sort of very much what Matt Honan does the best. And uh, uh, I uh, I enjoyed that story a lot as a single sort of bit of tech journalism for the year. But, you know, Tim Cook's story, not quite journalism, but a, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that that was the link of the year. So good job, Mike.
0: Thank you. I haven't read that Matt Honan piece, but, but I will now.
1: It's 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 funny, <laughs> and and I I actually I am a Facebook friend of Matt Honan, and so I watched as this happened, horrified by what was happening to Matt liking everything he saw, because <laughs> li- literally it reinforces the like, oh you liked that, now we're going to show you this. Yes, I like that too. Well, now we're going to show you this. Yes, I like that too. And uh, woo, it's horrifying. So have you ever anyway? Have yeah.
0: you ever heard of or read the book Yes Man? It was turned into a movie that Jim Carrey starred in. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Reminds me of that. Basically, a, yep. a, a British uh, writer, comedian, radio uh, presenter, and producer called uh, Danny Wallace. Basically, for an entire year, said yes to everything. It's fa- one of my favorite books. I, I love cool. it, and uh, it was yeah, into it's, an it's okay kind of yeah. It's a very similar kind of idea. Yeah, that's what it made me think of.
1: All right, we're getting into my favorite part of the show now, Mike.
0: Okay, so <laughs> we are uh, now into uh, the favorite text grew up. <laughs> <laughs> at the year, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: oh, this is going to be good. So, I don't know me, how we're going to choose.
0: I, 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 I think you. I think I would give you the win on this anyway, because I was, I was hovering oh. with this topic. But for me, I, I kind of, I, I thought about. What is maybe the thing that, that the company that created this thought would get the biggest fanfare, but actually failed uh, the most catastrophically? And I think it's the Amazon Fire phone. Yeah. Um, Amazon made such a great uh, hoo-ha about this phone. Uh and they had their teaser videos, and they had like a Jobs-esque presentation, and the presentation was quite good. And there were things that came out of it that looked very interesting. Uh, okay. But then also, also
1: any Jeff Bezos presentation is good because there are charts with no um, with no numbers on them, just, just a thing, Lines going up. The Bezos charts, which are beautiful, beautiful. Just things. random axes. Uh, yes, you know it could actually be.
0: <laughs> you know it could the chart could be demonstrating how much money they lose, and it's like it's just like a, an increasing number. Look how yeah. this chart goes up. <laughs> Charts goes up. It's really good. <laughs> well, how many Kindles are returned every year? Yeah. Um the oh. Amazon Fire phone, I think as we speak today, uh like they were selling it for like a buck, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh with
1: con- with contract, but this is the yeah. brand new top of the line amazing blow your mind Amazon Fire phone and they're just trying to unload them now.
0: Yeah. And just like across the board it has been a- terribly reviewed and I think Amazon have even said that it kind of like it didn't do what they thought it was gonna do.
1: I think I think Bezos said in an interview, well, you know, we do the first version and then we learn from it and we do the next version, which is true because the first Kindle was terrible too, and they just kept on going and maybe they'll get it right. I I, I there's a fundamental premise here, which is does Amazon need to make a phone? Are people so tied I mean, I'm an Amazon customer just uh, maybe not just as much as an apple person but i'm in the amazon ecosystem too i'm a prime subscriber i love amazon i buy a bunch of stuff from them and i'm a kindle user too and i look at the fire phone i'm like why no never no
0: just just make good apps like just make a range of good apps you don't need to make a phone like you barely need to make a tablet uh so you definitely don't need to make a phone It's, it's stupid it's silly amazon just stop it stop that jason what do you have
1: uh well that was a that, it's hard to beat that I, I I'm gonna go a little bit broader and say that my favorite tech screw up this year was Uber screwing up everything yeah uh there there is no end to the number of things Uber screwed up this year but a few highlights um they uh, at a uh, and this is a, a joke at a, an off the record dinner which should not exist. And in fact, was a journalist was there and was not put off the record and therefore reported it. Um, an Uber executive talked about how they were going to investigate the private lives of journalists who had been critical of them in order to Uh, counteract their negative coverage, which is uh, pretty awful and scary. Uh, We also discovered several instances where Uber employees or even prospective employees in the Uber offices were able to access personal travel records for celebrities and other people and find out where they were going to and from at what various times. So that's kind of awful. Um. So so many so many bad things about Uber. I think my favorite Uber story, though, is also the fact that they did. Um, they've gotten so criticized for surge pricing, which on one level makes sense economically, but on another level comes across to people as just sort of horrendous gouging the highlight of which was during the hostage siege in sydney australia uber tweeted specifically that they were helping everybody out by sending more cars to downtown sydney so that people could flee and surge pricing was in effect so hey everybody we just tripled the price of all of your rides to get out of town where there's a hostage situation going on but there will be lots of cars there for you to pay us just bet i mean this is one of those i mean just it's just not not that all the things they did were were bad this year but the way they did them and the way their 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 reputation has grown just a spectacular um failure by them and and time will tell whether it affects them i my gut feeling is that it will open the door for some competition where there are going to be enough people who are like, uh, let's try something that isn't Uber and see how that goes. Uh, They're pretty well entrenched, and their uh, attitude has served them well up to now. But I do wonder if perhaps this will lead to something that, uh, uh, it looks like Lyft, their competition with the silly pink mustaches, has gotten much more serious and is dropping the mustaches and some of the fist bumping and other weird things they're doing and trying to actually take it to Uber. And I hope they succeed because Uber has been very, very bad.
0: The fact that I just Googled and found a TechCrunch listicle about Uber's worst screw-ups of the year. <laughs> uh, so it 18 t- kind worst of t- screw-ups. <laughs> there's 11. There's 11 yeah. Eleven. Yeah. It was that kind of year. Yeah. I will give this to Uber just because at the start of the year, they are a darling. At the end mm-hmm. of the year, they are like the most revered company on, on the internet. Uh, people hate them. Yes, and you mean reviled. I think that's what I meant. Well, I can Not say it, but it's wrong. I meant
1: reviled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that a, is that a Britishism? Revered means reviled.
0: Yeah, it's like it's just yeah, spelled sure. differently. It's spelled okay, R-E-V-I-L-E-D. Revered okay, with, uh, <laughs> with a U in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. We have uh, three awards now, uh, which I've been excited about, looking forward to about, about podcasts. Mm, so, podcasts. First off, um. From uh, this is suggested to us by our gradient Dan. Uh, Our favorite non-tech podcast of the year could not be Serial, right? Um, I actually probably wouldn't have given it to Serial in the end anyway. Uh, I very much enjoyed Serial, but I did too. I think it fizzled out a little bit for me, um, Hmm. and I started to feel a bit bad about it just in general. Um, A show that I came to this year uh, and, and I adore, adore, adore is Hello Internet. Um, by CGP Grey and Brady Haran, so hmm. much so that I have kind of listened to every episode. I came in uh, about maybe about halfway through at the point where I started listening, uh, and I kind of went back and listened to every episode that I'd missed, uh, and I've actually then gone back and listened halfway through again, uh, all in the same year. It's just pure entertainment for me. I, I love it so much. It's, I think, the closest thing to hypercritical, uh, since so mm. Hypocritical. And that was how the show was actually described to me uh, by a friend of the show, underscore David Smith. Um, you know, he said, like, CGP Grey is maybe the closest to John Syracuse in his meticulousness and the comedy mm. that ensues because of it. Um, I really just suggest that people go to hellointernet.fm and... Kind of just look through the descriptions of the episodes, find the one that you think might appeal to you most and listen to it, because the show kind of, it doesn't really follow news that much. Um, any news that it does follow, the discussions that come from it are not tied to the news. Um, and it's also, it's a really interesting look into a different world. Um, Grey and Brady are both YouTube stars. Hmm. Um, so they talk about a lot of the things that happen in the YouTube world, which we don't really hear about in our little tech bubble. Um, And I loved, I absolutely adore this podcast and I think everybody should listen to it. And uh, it's just an absolute favorite. And it's, it's, it is, it is probably, it's actually just my favorite podcast period. Um, And it's my favorite non-tech podcast. So
1: they talk about the YouTube world, but it's not a tech podcast.
0: Well, no, it's not. I mean, they, they talk about the things that happen in their lives it's that's right. what it's about, but like it's a lot of it is framed around the fact that they do things for YouTube. So they talk about creating right. their videos, but they don't talk about the technical stuff about them. Like a lot of it is just like what happens in their lives, and sometimes they talk about iPhones, but then sometimes they talk about plane crashes and You know, it's it's like it is like the epitome of two dudes talking because they just talk about anything. Like it's a great episode where they talk about the flags of the United States of America. Which was, I think, my the first episode that I listened to, uh, and it's hilarious uh, and uh, and really really excellent. Um, so I, you know, I I would maybe suggest that one. I'm going to find All it right. and put it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, that 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 was, I think, my first episode, and uh, I loved it. I loved it a lot.
1: I've got one on my Overcast. I just haven't listened yet, so I will listen. You should. So my choice is not going to come as a surprise. I've said repeatedly that this is my favorite podcast. Period. My favorite podcast it is the Flop House which is a comedy podcast about three fellows who watch a bad movie uh, before they record the episode. And then immediately they uh, then turn on the microphones and talk about what they've just seen. And the rule is that the movie should, with some uh, rare exceptions, it should be a, a movie that's recently available on video. And that was a flop, either critically or financially or both, hence the name The House. And uh, the the Flophouse people are very funny the uh two of them are writers for the daily show one of them is the head writer for the daily show uh they are also getting into comic book writing uh the head writer for the daily show elliot kalen he is also writing the new comic spider-man and the x-men um which is pretty funny because if there's anybody who can nail spider-man's really annoying humor it's elliot Kalen, uh, cause he's that guy. He, he would be, if he was Spider-Man, he would be making those same stupid jokes that Spider-Man should make. Uh, anyway, it's, it's great. It's funny. It comes from, uh, recommended by John Syracuse. I think it went from John to me. Um, and then from both of us to Merlin Mann and, uh, everybody speaks the good word about the Flop House. but it is legitimately my favorite podcast. I think, I think before, the Flop House. My favorite podcast was probably Hypercritical, but um, it's the Flop House now. Uh, it's 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 just hilarious, and you don't need to have seen the movie. In fact, I recommend you don't see the movies because they're really awful. And listening to funny people uh, go on tangents and also to just demolish the terrible things about this movie that they just saw. Uh, it, there's nothing better. It's every other week, and uh, on Saturdays it gets posted, and it's a must listen as soon as it comes out. I love it. So the Flop House.
0: The flophouse is one of those shows that I have tried to to get into a bunch of times but just haven't hmm. yeah um don't start from the beginning
1: no matter what John Syracuse says you gotta start and start in the middle somewhere Merlin has a list of episodes that are worth starting with, but um I love it I gotta say
0: I love it. So I think we're a, a real problem here.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because uh, I
0: I won't allow. <laughs> I, I'm not going to give this one to you. Yeah, uh, and I'm not going to I'm not going to give this one to you. So we we're kind of a uh, hmm, we're we're at a point where we uh, we have to have the chat room vote on this. So this is between uh, Hello Internet and the Flop House. I think the problem that i have here is merlin i think merlin <laughs> is my problem mm-hmm. um because i think people listen to what merlin says uh, you should listen to what merlin and, says uh, for the flop house it's fine, fine f- for merlin and it's fine for you i think that's how that saying goes do you know where i can find merlin's list of uh of episode
1: Joe Steele in the chat room is pointing out "Bullet to the Head" is probably the episode to start with. Okay, uh, "Mirrors" is another great one to start with with the Flop House.
0: Okay, so it is the Flop House. The Flop House is one. Um, and uh, and a Dented Meat is that.
1: asking in the in the chat room. Um, why don't start at the beginning, even though Syracuse says it, they, they had so many technical problems at the beginning. And actually Elliot doesn't even become a host until about 10 episodes in that uh, early flop houses are, as somebody in the chat room said, it's just literally just buzzing sounds. <laughs> it's, they sound terrible. Um, so I would start, um, you know, I would start, I don't know where, like I would sample those episodes, bullet to the head mirrors. Those are two good examples. And then, uh, go from there and, and maybe you dip back to like number 20 or 25. But I, I think, um, I think the the early episodes are really rough sledding. I would not recommend them, and you can start a little bit later and get most of the jokes, and it's fine.
0: I'm adding uh, the the flop house and those episodes to my overcast because if you guys are gonna are gonna make me lose this, if,
1: if you're gonna not like it, you need to do the full on commit to trying it, and then you can not like it. It's okay to not like it, but
0: yeah, episode yeah. 34 and episode 133. There you go. So we got try a, those. A big, a big yap there. But uh, I'm going to go with it, and uh, I'm sad. But congratulations to the Flophouse uh, for t- for taking the award. There, yay! And they can also check uh, their spam filters. For, yes, for
1: Dan McCoy, check your spam filter.
0: Talking about checking spam filters, Jason. Uh, our next. Um, Our next uh, award, which is going to be for our favorite tech podcast of the year, is brought to us by our friends at MailRoute. Jason MailRoute, take it away.
1: Uh, I love uh, love talking about MailRoute because I do use MailRoute, and Mike doesn't, so he can't talk about it, and I can. What an opportunity. MailRoute is a service that lets you um, live life without spam or viruses or bounced email in your inbox. It sits between your mail server and the internet, takes in all the mail and then uses it's really intelligent filtering to filter out the junk um, and it really does a very good job you only see legitimate mail that comes through you don't have to use client-side spam software i i use it even though i've also got gmail's filter because i think it does a, a really good job and then gmail's filter ends up catching like a mailing list that i didn't realize that i subscribed to which is also good i guess but i like the mail route is out there it's really easily configurable for me as a regular person if you're an email administrator or it professional it's it's, it's it's great for you, too. They've got all the tools that you might want. There's an API for account management, supports the whole checklist of things you love, uh, like LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay, and Mike's favorite, Mailbagging.
0: Mailbagging!
1: Everything you want from people who are handling your mail. No hardware or software to maintain. Like I said, it, it lives in the cloud. It's a server up there in the cloud, uh, and then it delivers clean mail to your email inbox. Uh, Easy to set up, reliable, trusted by large universities and corporations. Um, I love the fact that I get a little email every day that says, here's the mail we filtered out and I can look at it very quickly and click on a link if I want it to whitelist and deliver a message from somebody who shouldn't be on it. So if I see Mike Hurley is in there and it's something about the upgradees and I didn't even know that was an award, but maybe I actually won it and maybe this isn't somebody claiming to be a Nigerian prince giving me an award if I transfer a million dollars into his bank account, I can Click that link in my email, the message will be delivered, and all future messages from Mike will also be delivered because he'll be added to the whitelist. I don't advise that you add Mike to your whitelist. Uh that could be dangerous because he may send you things. Uh, anyway, if you want to remove spam for your life, if this sounds good, try it out. Go to mailroute.net slash upgrade. You get a free trial. And if you decide to buy, 10% off of MailRoute for the lifetime of your account. So mailroute.net slash Upgrade and thank you so much to Mail Route for being a good friend and sponsoring Upgrade.
0: So we are now onto our favorite tech podcast of the year. Um, this was suggested to us by Gary. Um, he wanted us to talk specifically about our favorite tech shows. Um, I I just think you can't beat the Accidental Tech Podcast. Hmm. Um, I think that it's it's as good as uh, a tech podcast in twenty fourteen could be. Um, it- I I agree with you. It, it has the mix of hosts that everybody wants um they have what i consider to be the three uh great archetypes now where you have like the person who's more the user um you have the extreme power user and then you kind of have the power user you mm-hmm. know and, and i think that, that that really works as a as a cuz what you're doing is you're you're meeting all people that scenario. Sometimes it's a little too heavy on the tech for me um, and developer stuff because I don't understand any of it. Like this week's episode, a huge portion of it uh, is is about things that I literally have no idea what anybody's saying. (laughs) But the great thing about ATP is I still love to listen to it. And, And that is what... That's why I know this show is good. Because mm-hmm. they can they can literally be talking gobbledygook to me, but I still want to listen. And then you have incredible moments, like the windows of Syracuse County. The after show of episode 96 is potentially the best that the show has ever been. Uh, and you should listen to it, because it is hilarious and fantastic. Um, and ATP, they are approaching 100 episodes, and it's as good as it's ever been, if not better. I think that they put a great amount of work care into the show, and it shines every week, and it's an absolute joy.
1: Uh, I agree with you. I decided that I'm going to nominate somebody, and then switch my vote to you because that's what's going to happen. Because I think ATP is the best, but I want to I want to throw, and we can't nominate anything that we are ourselves uh, uh, podcasting about. So, I am going to nominate Analog, oh. featuring Mike Hurley and Casey Liss of accidental tech podcast who, who would
0: have thought that casey would be considered uh the greatest tech podcaster by <laughs> by default now well
1: so follow who the me here is casey <laughs> I,
0: it, it is it
1: is a tech podcast that's also not a tech podcast and what i like is the premise which is that you're talking about uh about feelings and being a human being dealing with things that come up and emerge from technology issues uh, in various ways and i i love that as a premise and i think you guys handle those issues um incredibly well and there have been many good episodes i encourage people to to look back on uh and and check out some of the episodes in the catalog for analog because it's not just a you know a session of uh of of therapy podcasting is therapy although it can be that but it's more than that and i i think we, um, as tech podcasters, give short shrift sometimes to the human element, the emotional element of how this thing impacts our, uh, our broader lives, how these different, different aspects do. And I, I, think, I think analog helps give you a, a little uh, window into that. I also put out a shout out to The Rebound, which is a new podcast featuring Lex Friedman and Dan Morin and John Moltz, which is short and fun and funny. And uh, not on any podcasting networks, you have to go find it, but um, it's, it's good and uh, you should listen to it because those guys are really funny.
0: What, whilst we're doing this, I will also make a shout for, the clock, for Clockwise as well because it's, so, because it's so different, more than anything else, more than the content or how great you guys are because it's, it's unlike any other tech show that you listen to because of its restrictions um, and that makes it quite interesting. Uh, and plus, it's you're going to get 30 minutes, which I mean, as right. we're pro, as we're into two hours now, uh, exactly. there aren't a lot of tech podcasts that have that respect for your time. Uh, right. we, would, we would we would
1: we would only go over 30 minutes if it was an end of year episode that was completely off format. But otherwise, you'll find that every episode is 30 minutes long. That's a that's a hint about this week's episode. Yep. Anyway,
0: there is one one quick thing I want to say about about upgrade uh, about mm-hmm. not about upgrade. <laughs> <that's laughs> yes, yeah, tell show. me more. Oh, uh, upgrade! We about, forgot about that. About podcast of the, the year, the winner uh, about about analog. Uh, we spoke about on the on this week's episode uh, episode twenty, and it's it's the after show right at the end. And then I me and Casey have this conversation sometimes that do we worry that we're too honest on the show? Uh, because one one of the main things that I am concerned about, and I know that Casey is as well, that people come away from that show thinking that we're not very nice people. That's a concern that I have, hmm. um, and it's because of the honesty that we have. And, and And some people I know have stopped listening to the show because they think that we're too self involved. But like that's kind of what the show is about. We are being right. honest about ourselves, um, and it kind of has to be that way. And and I, I mean, one of the things I say is we talk about the things that many people who have a platform of any kind consider to be taboo. Uh, you don't talk about the things that we talk about. Um, and that's why I, I love making the show and why I actually think that it's a very important show. And some of the episodes that I do on that, of that show are some of the best stuff that I do, I think, because mm-hmm. I kind of just lay it all bare. But Well, the episode
1: with Stephen Hackett, where he was talking about, um, talking about uh, dealing with his, uh, his son's cancer. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. Right. I mean, just uh, it was a great episode. And in and, and Casey talking about you know, the, the fears that he has for his child. And, you know, I, I if every podcast were, were that, yes, it would be a problem because it would be like, oh, my God, it is every podcast is therapy now. But having a podcast like that with room to talk about those issues, I'm really glad that podcast exists. And it, again, if it were every podcast, I would not say that. But it's not. It's an outlier. And I like it
0: because it's an outlier are we going to decide an atp as yeah. the winner so congratulations yes. to 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 those three. marco check your spam Michael filter Thomas. again <laughs> yeah wow marco is the is the runaway yeah. success here. Ah, that guy, that guy uh, favorite banned. podcast newcomer this is an interesting category that I, I wanted to add um jason would you like to lead off with that
1: Sure. Um I checked the dates and in fact Isometric on 5x5 debuted this year and so I'm going to nominate it as a favorite podcast newcomer. It is a gaming podcast and I'm not really a gamer, but it because partially because of what's happened this year with uh with uh, Brianna Wu and uh being attacked by Gamergate, it's become more than just a gaming podcast. But the fact is, you know, uh a lot of these shows it's true of anything it's true of a movie or a, certainly like a sitcom and a lot of podcasts that's true too it's about the cast it's about the people and how they interact with each other and you get a certain combination of people together and it's just magic and uh isometric is magical it is when it's on it is so funny and the the the, the characters i almost said the people who are kind of characters right they the way they interact and their inside jokes and their their dumb jokes and their laughs and all of that it is delightful to listen to even when I don't care so much about the subject matter and then they have a guest on like John Syracuse was on the other week and uh, he's a listener and so he's kind of in with with what they're talking about plus he's a a gamer and that ends up being really uh, amusing and having had Brianna on a few incomparable episodes I also love She's a uh she's an agent of chaos. She will oh, yeah. she will like things that other people don't like. She is not afraid to make statements that are not uh what the consensus is and that leads to a lot of hilarity too. So I think that's been a real gem of a podcast this year um and it really is owed more than anything else to the chemistry between the hosts. It is uh it is a, a really enjoyable uh show from from uh, start to finish.
0: I love Isometric uh it does a bunch of things that can be terrible in podcasts, but they do them so well. Uh, like, whenever they start the show, there's just so much noise. You know, like everyone's screaming and laughing. Yeah. But that's kind yeah. of, with the, with those four, it works so it's a, well. It, you're just tuning into a party that a yeah. bunch of friends are having. And I,
1: I get that sometimes as feedback from The Incomparable. is like, I like listening because it sounds like it's a bunch of friends having a good time. And I think, well, we are, and so that's good. But then I, when I hear it on Isometric, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like a bunch of friends having a good time together. That totally, you know, that, that yeah. carries a lot of weight, even when I don't care about the games they're talking about or even understand what they're talking about. Which happens frequently.
0: Because it's one of those things with that type of style, you can either go really, really wrong or really, really right, and, and they nail it. And And I love that it's so diverse. And they actually talk about a lot of the games that I like uh, to play as opposed to just like what's the biggest AAA title available right, right. now. Um, and they just have great fun doing it. Uh, but I think for me, uh, my favorite new show of this year, and, and one of the reasons I give it to the show is because... Uh, they it's very rare that a a, a new podcast from people that have never been a podcaster before from episode one uh can create can create a show that is instantly interesting fun and engaging and it's defocused and i speak about this show constantly because it's one that i think people should listen to uh Defocus kind of is a mix between two things. It is two guys, uh, Dan and Joe, and people will know the name Joe Steele. Uh, It is Joe Steele, fake name. Fake name. Um, He's one of the hosts. And basically this show is like the two of them kind of like having fun and and kind of like goofing off and poking fun at each other, crossed with movie reviews. Uh, And... Some of the Chris, the Christmas episodes, I think, have been my mm. recent favourites. And one of the great things about Defocus, quite frequently I listen to this show and I don't... I've never seen the film that they're talking about, but I listen to it anyway because it's. this is very much the same sort of thing as you were with Isometric because they're so entertaining to listen to. Oh, yeah. And some of the stuff I'm thinking of Cats per Mango, which is episode 21. They talk about a bunch of trailers, including the Age of Ultron trailer. That episode, I think I was nearly crying by the end of it. (laughs) They're talking about podcast CPMs and Joe... Uh, comes up with the fact that CPM stands for cats per mango, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense. But it's just it just doesn't make fantastic. any any less sense
1: than what CPM actually stands for. So it's, that's exactly that's just fine.
0: And they they create really great uh, show art. There's like a lot of fun art. The and also these guys they come from a different movie background. So like they both work in visual effects. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it it adds a really really different look to uh, like a different uh a viewpoint on the movies mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff they say i have no idea what they're talking about uh like they yep. talk about like the something something on the something something and that's kind of what it hears but it's the same thing of atp for me even though i don't know what these guys are talking about i really really enjoy it so i don't know where to go with this one jason because i i'm a big fan of both shows but for me, I think Defocused is the biggest surprise, as well as uh, being a mm. a great show because it kind of came from nowhere for me.
1: Uh, Defocused is 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 really good. Um, I met, I got to meet uh, Dan of Defocused Dan uh, the other day. We had a little meetup in Phoenix, and he was them, there. The that, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And Joe Steele felt really bad, really bad, to be there uh he couldn't he couldn't be there he's in the chat room today instead is it the same joe is it the same no i don't think so who knows um i i don't know i uh, Joe votes for isometric <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go I'm going to go with a host of Defocus co-host of Defocused, and say I I feel like if we split this into two where it was like podcast newcomer and, and podcast surprise or something one of the things before we before we choose that I, I wanted to say about Defocused is Defocused because it's by two guys who listen to all the same podcasts that so many of us listen to I find it kind of delightful in the sense that it's almost like the footnote inside all the other podcasts because they assume knowledge of what Merlin said or what atp was about or whatever they just kind of assume that that is happening and i am very amused by that because i feel like it's like uh it's a podcast about movies it's a podcast about two guys and it's also a podcast about the that's floating in this world that uh that we're inhabiting with all these other tech podcasts and uh it's a lot of fun uh, but i would probably pick isometric they've been on they've been on longer and uh i'm more surprised that i'm I, i'm interested in listening about movies uh that i like and defocused and isometric i don't care about the games almost ever and i still enjoy listening to them so i'd probably lean in that direction but this is a tough one i admit it
0: Let, let's go of isometric because i i am a fan of it um and it's a great show and and i think that it- it should be awarded. So, we'll go, considering as well, uh, Joe is being incredibly humble, we will take his humbleness as, as an excuse. So, uh, yeah. we're going to go with Isometric. Thanks, Joe. Joe did suggest a moment ago, Jason, I think this is quite a good idea for I us agree. both to listen to an episode. So, I will listen to episode 133 of The Flop House, and you will listen to episode 16 of Hello Internet. All right. Um, and we will, we will visit that in our we'll podcast follow up vertical uh in either next, next week year or, or a future episode. Yes. Best holiday gift. Uh we're 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 in the, the last leg now. We're almost the here. We're almost done guys. Almost- <laughs> Hang on guys, we're nearly there. <laughs> Hold on. We're nearly These are gonna be quick ones.
1: Alright, people, here we go.
0: Best holiday gift suggested uh by upgrading uh Dan uh, for me it was my Wii U uh, big fan love the Wii U Jason <laughs> and I recommend uh, as, a, as a great holiday gift
1: I did on the site Marvel unlimited subscription you can get it as we speak I think it maybe is like two months for nine dollars or something like that but if you've got a friend who's a, a Marvel comics fan just buy them a year <laughs> and for any gift it's like 70 bucks I think and it's a it's a great great deal um, it's totally pays for itself and if not at least buy them a month or two it's uh it's a it's a great service for somebody who loves Marvel comics, or loved in their childhood, and would like to
0: relive that. So I think my my document has has, has misled you. Uh, I actually think this was the favorite holiday gift that you received.
1: I can't I can't uh, I can't speak to that because we I, I got very little for the holidays. We bought oh. a we bought a bed. Um, oh, nice. We bought a go. bed because our old bed was uh, needed to go, and we got we bought a bed. And as a result of buying that bed, we didn't really buy a whole bot whole, whole lot else. I got a cheese cutter, so some manchego is going to get chopped on that baby. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, is this a thing? Let's just say the Wii U is the winner. How about that?
0: Hooray for Wii U! Um, upgrading, Todd. Todd, uh, what hardware has changed your life the most this year? For me, the Pebble, I think, but just because if I think like the pebble is not the most life-changing product I've used this year, but it is of all the products that I've had. It's the one that's made the biggest impact on my, it's made the biggest change to my life. And, and, and basically what I'm trying to say is now when I get a notification, when I feel that vibration in my pocket, I instinctively look at my wrist. That is a big change in my life, whether I have the pebble on or not. So Hmm. like, All of the other devices that I own have filled a place that was previously filled, like previously had by the device that you know that it replaced. Right, so my iPhone 6 Plus is fantastic and it has so many more great things, but it's just the previous iPhone. Like, but the change that this that from my previous watch to this one is way bigger, and this is so much more than a watch it has made an actual tangible change to me as a person in a habit that I now have that I didn't have before, so I would say the public. interesting
1: uh my I put down the retina imac because that has uh you know having a fast computer and it's in my office that I now work in every day uh that that i i i can't just say it's totally changed my life in the same way that where it's added an entirely new ecological niche like it has for you, Mike, but it's certainly. Um, a very different experience, and I I love it a lot. The uh, other answer I could give here is that my daughter having an iPhone for the first time has changed my life a lot this year. That I can do find my friends with her and see where she's at. You know, are you you, you back here yet? Uh, where are you? You know, where are you now? I don't spy on her so much, but there's a lot of like she should be home by now. Is she okay? Oh, she stopped by the store on the way home, kind of stuff, and sending her uh, iMessages and things like that too. Um, that's been a big change this year positively to have her be a little more connected because she's connected to her, you know, Instagram and to her friends, but she's also connected to us. And, uh, and honestly, today's uh new generation of kids. Um, if you want to interact with them, one of the ways you need to interact with them is online. That's one of the ways they communicate. So if you don't want to close out that as a communication vector because sometimes that's the best way to reach them. So I would throw that out there as well. But, um, I don't know how to pick these because these are uh, so personal.
0: I I like your story. I like uh, young Snell uh, receiving an iPhone. Uh, I I like that that cause right. that is a huge change to two lives.
1: That's true. Okay, my daughter's iPhone wins. Oh, by the way, my daughter dropped her iPhone when we were in Phoenix and shattered it, so she no longer has it.
0: <laughs> Huge change again. <laughs> uh, I think
1: I think she's going to use money she received as presents uh for the holidays and go to the Apple store and get one of those nice uh replacements, the non-warranty replacement fee that they do if you shatter your screen. So I think she's gonna learn an important lesson about what it costs when you drop your iPhone. Um, Ironically, she dropped it within about a foot of where I dropped my iPad mini last spring and shattered its screen. My mother's kitchen is a graveyard. The tile on that floor is a graveyard for iOS devices. And uh, my wife and I vowed we will never put tile anywhere in our home. There must be so much
0: uh, crushed sapphire. in in that tile
1: oh she's she's my daughter is so sad about it she was really i mean it was really sad i you know i I think if it's ever going to teach you a lesson about taking care of your hardware that'll that'll do it she was i could see the lesson being taken as i watched through the tears each tear a little bit of the lesson uh but i think it'll all be okay in the end but it it has meant a lot to her and it's been great for us so great winner Did did you cry when you dropped your ipad no, I was just really mad. <laughs> I was really mad, but uh, it came out differently for my uh, for my daughter. She the, the tears were definitely there. But so R.I.P. my daughter's iPhone. But also, you won an upgradey.
0: I'm sure that will take all of the pain away. Mm-hmm. So our final upgradey of 2014, yes. as suggested by uh, listener Freddie, is for the best vertical of 2014 i have gone for brain balls uh mm-hmm. i don't know how anything could beat the brain ball vertical
1: well but mike i have gone for ahoy telephone uh-huh. and i i will point out that our our the the climax if you will of our ahoy telephone vertical was when a listener wrote in to point out that Jeez. when he and his wife or partner oh, 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 oh. I, I forget were involved in some private time in the boudoir uh there um that was my French pronunciation, they uh, they oh. accidentally triggered Ahoy Telephone. Uh, and I think that was a really special moment, uh, not just for them, but for us this year. But I think we should throw this out to the chat room. Chat room, vote now on whether you prefer Brain Ball or Ahoy Telephone as the vertical of the year.
0: You were making a terrible pun there, right? I just wanted to... the cl- The climax? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, just checking. That I was
1: just- intentional. That's why I said, so to speak, or whatever <laughs> I said. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was intentional.
0: Oh, the brain ball votes are, are coming in. Uh, oh, wait, okay, so it's leveling out already. So what we have is the chat room. Uh, we're waiting on well, basically one vote <laughs> to swing this. Okay
1: steal votes for Ahoy Telephone?
0: I think the Ahoy Telephone saga is an interesting one because it, it was born from such <sighs> anger at me.
1: Oh yeah. Well, we 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 were frustrated, and then we made everybody else frustrated too. Wow, this is really tough.
0: I think I think Ahoy Telephone is just is is just about is just about won it. Uh, The scales have been tipped in the favor of the Ahoy Telephone. So congratulations to To Ahoy Telephone to us, maybe. Yes, vertical of the year, (laughs) vertical of the year to to Siri. Congratulations,
1: Siri. You You win Ahoy Telephone. You did it.
0: Jason, we've done it. Uh we've we've come to, to the this end. It's your fault, Mike. Uh of the upgradeies. Uh, I yes. would like to to award you with uh the best Jason on on this podcast. So Thank you. Congratulations to that. I've really enjoyed this. I hope other people have enjoyed it. Uh, if anybody's listened this far, they must have enjoyed it. I guess
1: um, so. Mike, I would like to av- award the award for best Mike on this podcast. Unfortunately, it went to Marco Arment. I don't know how that happened.
0: <laughs> and then the Blue Yeti <laughs> <Yeah>. came in. <laughs> close second. Yes. <laughs> uh, there were no winners except for Marco. Um Yep on on this show so thank you so much to listening uh thanks to thank you upgradians thank you upgradians you have now been named uh whether you like it or not thank you to lynda.com squarespace and MailRoute for helping yes uh, make the upgradies possible thank you to frank towers uh for helping us out with the fantastic artwork for the upgradies uh the first annual upgradies awards
1: (laughs) no don't, don't call it that not annual until you do another one
0: it, it, well i'm going for it it's the first annual oh, mike uh it's every year and this will be the first one um <laughs> <laughs> thank you jason uh for indulging uh my 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 love of award ceremonies um, uh you're welcome <laughs> And thank you all for listening. Uh, the show notes are at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 16. If you'd like to find us on Twitter, I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And Jason is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. Of course, Jason writes to fantastic 6 which you should definitely be reading. Until next time, say goodbye, Mr. Jason Snell. Goodbye,
1: everybody. Happy New Year.
0: Oh, Happy New Year.